Welcome to Recommissioned, a Battlestar Galactica podcast by LSG Media. Hi, I'm Dean, and I've seen every episode of BSG. Hi, I'm Matthew, and I haven't seen any episode of BSG. On today's episode, we bring you the miniseries, Part 2. Mr. Osman, my primary objective at the present time is to repair the Galactica and continue to fight. What we do know at this moment is that there are 50,000 civilian refugees out there who don't stand a chance without your ship to protect them. We're aware of the tactical situation, and I'm sure that you'll all be safe here on Ragnar after we leave. After you leave? <clears throat> Where are you going? To find the enemy. We're at war, and that's my mission. I honestly don't know why I have to keep telling you this, but the war is over. It hasn't begun yet. All right, we are back for the second part of the miniseries. And uh, I'm joined by my good friend, Matthew. And we are going to get to this. Matthew, how are you doing this evening? So good. I'm I'm basking in the afterglow of the end of this episode. This shit is dope. It's so good, isn't it? It is so good. And I can't, I hope that, um, you know, obviously people listening to this, there's gonna be a lot of people who, like you, Dean, have watched the entire show and they're just having fun either maybe listening to the episodes uh, of us talking or rewatching with us. But I hope there are some other people like me who are watching it for the first time Loses. and going... Th- Wait, what's that? Loses. You hope there's <laughs> losers of, out there like you, pal. Couple of Joe Blows behind the times. <laughs> yeah. Couple of losers. <laughs> but I, hope, I, I want them, I hope there's somebody out there like me going episode to episode, not jumping too far ahead, not, you know, uh, binging and getting, you know, the hang of the cliffhangers because shit, this is satisfying. This is so, so this is totally beating my expectations for this show. And I thought this show was going to be good, expected it to be good, but it is, it is kicking my expectations ass and a yeah. wonderful, delightful, violent beating. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I'm over here glowing. It's like I'm watching. It's like I picked you up, little Matthew. Oh, I'm hugging him. Here's my boy. Who's my big, strong son? And I sat you on that bike and I ran with my hand holding that bike, that bike seat. And I just... <laughs> And let I'm going, you go. Daddy. I'm going. I just let you go, and I watch you pedal that little bike with the fucking tassels coming out of the handlebars, and I just weep as the sun descends behind me. <laughs> so proud. And then, oh, God, wait. That's not a sun. That's a mushroom cloud over Caprica City. <laughs> no, no. And another. And oh, another. sweet Jesus. And another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great, uh-huh. man. I'm I'm very excited. I'm very excited about your enthusiasm. I'm very excited about your excitement. And uh, I'm really looking forward to getting into this today, my friend. Absolutely. This did not disappoint. So why don't you, although you kind of did, go into, give me me three, how about this? Give me three, I'm going to save that. Just give, just elaborate on your initial impressions a little bit and I'll save the other part for the end. Well, um, overall, it was unpredictable in a really good way. I did not, I could not, and you know, we, we tried last episode to try and, you know, I tried anyways, I mean, to make predictions about where things were headed and, and kind of, uh, the direction of the show. I had no idea 
I guess, quite how small their world was going to get. Yes. And, and we find that out. I, I mean, I assumed maybe it would get that small eventually. I didn't think second chunk of the episode out that we have the human race as we know it has dwindled to such a low place. I didn't realize how desperate it was truly going to become. Uh, and that's, that is, is compelling. And, and again, like I, like I said in the first episode, my biggest touchstone for shows like this, you know, sci-fi epics are Star Treks. Uh, and that's a big booming, bustling universe, well populated with human beings and well populated with aliens. And this is like the apocalypse of that situation awesome. happening. Like it is, it is so much more like saliently desperate and i love that tone of this of this show and it really was hammered home in this half and that i thought was so well done and the mystery of the cylons not just the cliffhangery ending that of course we're going to get to but the mystery of what motivates them what is their makeup and and their beliefs is totally different from any villain i've seen in a sci-fi universe and i am totally fascinated by it they they are not spoon feeding us and they're not over dumping. We're just kind of being drip fed little pieces of their mystery. And I love that. Ah, oh, man, I'm, I'm really riding high on this. Outstanding. Yeah, man. I, uh, I'm imagining. So when you watched this the first time, where were you? Tell me about what your setting was. <laughs> it was on a train. All right. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Okay, cool. So here you are, you're on a train, you got your earbuds in. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're watching this. You got your your screen turned sideways. You're hoping nobody texts you and interrupts you, Bastards. and the train's just moving along. <laughs> I, yes, I'm riding an old timey yeah. steam train. Hey, the white man's iron horse is here. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not that. Maybe it's a little more modern. But I like to. I'm going to romance it up a little. Steam coming on. <laughs> It looks like one of the Harry Potter trains. <laughs> so romanced as I get on my Hulu app on my yeah. iPhone. There's a beautiful Hungarian woman looking at you across the way. <laughs> With just a, a beam of light across her eyes. Everything else is dark. Her husband just doesn't understand her. <laughs> All right, I'm getting off oh. course. Uh, so you're sitting there on the train. You got your earbuds in. You're watching. And at the very end of the episode, and I just want you to tease me a little. At the very end of the episode, all these Cylon copies walk onto the Ragnar station, and then Boomer enters the frame. What did you say to yourself? Just give me some emotional resonance here, not not details and speculations. We'll get to that at the end. Well, I did. I literally said out loud, oh, fuck. I could not have seen that shit. Coming had absolutely no idea. Um, and was really, you know, of course, first, you know, it's just shock and you're just, wow. Oh my God, I can't believe it. But then I really, the, the overwhelming emotion was sadness. I was yes. really made sad by that. That is tragic. And obviously we're going to get there. I, I don't want to delve too much into it right now, but it leaves such a possibility of tragedy to come. 100%. And, and you hang on to that shit. Cause oh, when we Jesus. get to that scene, we're going to go deep. Deep. We're, We're gonna, gonna drill down, scuba dive down. Wait, there we are. Oh my god! Awesome! Yeah, I can't wait. Great. So let's go ahead and get to the episode and go through it like we like to do. But maybe before we do that, we should probably talk a little bit about the trivia questions. Ooh, our own cliffhanger. Our own cliffhanger. Bunga, bung, bung, bung. How oh. wrong was Matthew? Ba, ba, da, 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 da. 
<laughs> Not wrong at all. I mean, you, you I, missed well, the bonus question. So, I, well, I guess. I guess. All right. You're so, being kind. I'm being kind. But at the no, I think you did really well. So at the end of the first episode that we recorded, and this is going to be something we always do, we ask a trivia question that teases the next episode. Uh, And that trivia question is asked to Matthew. And if you haven't picked up on the intro and our little preamble here, Matthew has not seen this, I have. So, Mm -hmm. And I'm militantly avoiding any and all spoilers as much as humanly possible. Yes, you're not even allowed to read the next episode synopsis because it could ruin it. No, and I, I and I am not going to. Uh, uh, I, I started to look at a cast list, literally to just remember character names, so I could see character name and an actor name, and that was starting to get too close to spoiler Don't territory. Do it. And I was like, "Well, fuck it, I'm not even doing that." Not yeah, if even you forget a name, I will assist you. If I remember the name, because I might not. Oh, I think non LSG media listeners who aren't used to some of our other shows are going to learn very quickly that uh, I have a lot of just nicknames for characters that are going to be yes. invented as we go, because that is sometimes, especially for a cast as dense as this, the only way I. Can can manage so sorry <laughs> absolutely so the question asked last week to matthew at the end of the episode was what will be used as a weapon in the next episode of battlestar galactica and the answers were a flashlight b makeshift knife c stolen firearm from the small arms locker i thought it was a pretty good question matthew yeah. right matthew struggled with a little and then he went i'm gonna go with a flashlight which was 100 percent correct fucking nailed like, it that son of a Bitch. God damn, this guy is smarter than guys Baltar. <laughs> and then I said, bonus question, who uses it? And he kind of hemmed and hawed and thought about it a lot. And he asked, and what did you answer? I answered, choosing between Roslyn and Starbuck, yep. I went with Starbuck. But it wasn't. Who hey, was wrong. it? No. No, it was not. It was our boy. Our you know, boy. and that was that was one of my that actually was like kind of the first name. I was almost thinking like, is it Apollo or or you know William? It's got to be one of them, right? And then I was like, ah, that's a little too obvious, too easy. I got to go. Uh, <laughs> well, who's our who's our new badass fighter lead? Starbuck, and so that's where I went. But Boom. damn, damn, do we see what that man can do with a? It mag-like? was Galactica actual, <laughs> <laughs> crushing skulls with flashlights. Jesus, very cool, awesome. <laughs> well. I'm going to have another question for you at the end of it, which we'll answer at the beginning of the episode next week. And I've already got my three questions lined up. It's going to be uh, pretty intense. We're going to make you pick which one you think is going to happen. Oh, boy. I'm going to give you three scenarios that tease a little. But since you don't know if you're going to be right or wrong, it's going to be hard to follow along. But it's a good teaser for the next episode. Nice. Pretty cool. Look at that. Yeah. All right. Now, we'll get to that later. Let us start where we always start, at the beginning. We get right back to it. Like I said, the miniseries, now it's called Night 1 and Night 2 and whatever the hell. That's not, that's not how it originally was. It was always called the miniseries, so that's what I call it, because yeah. I'm stubborn and resistant to change, and uh, don't like to admit <laughs> that I'm wrong. No, but um, I've just been calling it Battlestar Miniseries 1, Battlestar Miniseries Part 2, and we're covering Part 2, and it picks right up. Adama very sad over what he thinks is his son's death. Ties his arm around his shoulder. Awesome. Standing there. The scene is set on the combat information center. And Adama tries to get out the words, resume jump prep. And Ty helps him out. Resume jump prep. Right? He's there for him. And um, I'm going to tell you right now, because I I wanted to get your initial impressions, I didn't want to go on and on. Watching this episode again, I think... 
Michael Hogan, i.e. Colonel Saltai, is a standout in this episode. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. freaking great. I. It's funny. From the first episode to this one, you know, in the first episode, I, I saw a potential in him, but I struggled to like him. Really. Right. He, he is an asshole in that one. But in this, he... As much as Starbucks still has a problem with him by the end, I think he is a much better person than given credit for. Yeah, he's got layers. He does. He's got layers, and that's what's in, what's so cool about him. That's what's so good about this show so far. Already, yes. just you know, I'm technically only an hour. If we're talking about the point we're at right now in the episode, I'm I am an hour and forty two minutes, an hour and thirty two minutes, really, I guess, into the Battlestar Galactic universe, and I can already tell that every character is so layered and complex, and I am interested in honestly all of them. Like, and there are times where I can't honestly say that where I, you know, there I have shows that I like the characters and I think some of them are really, really interesting and others. I'm like, eh, it's cool. They're there. I don't really care that much to know right. their backstory. And right. this show, I honestly am ready for a standalone episode about any of them. I, I'm what, totally what do you intrigued. think? What do you think contributes to your desire to want to learn more? What is it about this show that, that, that makes you feel that way? Do you think, have you given that much thought Mm, I should think about that more. Like what makes it stand out from other sure, sure. series? No, no, no. Uh, what makes you so interested in all of the characters? In all of the I mean, for one, uh, the thing that jumps to mind when you ask me that is a sense of purpose about every single one of them. Every single one of them has a very, if not express goal, they have a, a very clear allegiance or, or, or goal. But, and that doesn't, you'd get the sense that they all have a very clear I don't know, directive, idea, goal, whatever you want to call, but that isn't all of them. And so it's like we're getting presented with that aspect of every single one of them and they all are ready to stand for it, but it's very clear there's so much more behind it for each and every single one of them. The reason that each of them that share a loyalty, they might still have totally different reasons for being loyal to that cause. Right, yeah, I I like it. I get the sense of right away. Absolutely. That's good stuff. I like their common purpose. I like that this is such a human story and they're so up against it and it's so grim and dreadful and you're just cheering for them. They're easy to cheer for. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the ones that aren't as easy to cheer for, you want to know more. You're intrigued by them because they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Six alert. <laughs> so good. Gaius <laughs> alert. Um, <clears throat> so we find out that Starbucks Vipers fucked. She finds out that Prozna is dead and she thinks Lee is dead. Starbucks' mm-hmm. response is simply right. And she walks away and then she says, hey, no word on Sharon. And then, of course, the chief walks away. So there's emotions hitting here. They start oh, yeah. to drip the emotion sauce on us pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. It quickly moves into the next scene. We have Boomer deploying a communications drone. Um, because when we laughed, last left our heroes, she was separated because she went – down to Caprica with Hilo. She left the planet, left Hilo, and uh, now she's trying to rendezvous, and she's going to rendezvous with the Colonial One in a minute here. Exactly. Um, she has this boy named Boxy, which is a nod to the original show. And <laughs> Interesting name. Sounds like you should be on a corner uh, pitching newspapers, but all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's your Cylon newspaper, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sharon bonds with the boy, and then we move over to Gaius, who sees six, in the in the raptor now, mm-hmm. and so inside the raptor, Gaius C six 
And she's yeah. like, you're a survivor, Gaius, with her yeah. sultry tones. Good Lord, woman. Oh, baby. You're just, anytime she, she could just lay on a grand piano out at any, <laughs> at any moment, that could just happen. <laughs> she was born on a grand piano <laughs> and came out <laughs> on a grand piano. What? <laughs> It's a goddamn paradox. God, the worst gig that pianist ever had. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. But no, I love that this is our first, well, if I want to say two things about Boomer in this scene, Sharon, you know, already, here's another great example of in this moment where she's bonding and talking to this boy, she admits that she was orphaned really young. Yes. That's a, that's a big character detail to learn about somebody. And, and I like that the show doesn't try to squeeze every drop out of that instantaneously. It actually, you know, the camera zooms in literally past their conversation and their conversation yep. fades. We don't we don't get too much more detail about that. We just find out that, well, yeah, when I was young, my parents died too. And we get that she's saying that to be like, imply that you're going to be okay. That does not mean the end of your world. And so that's the kind of feeling we already get for her. And then we move towards seeing Six, which is the second time he's quote unquote hallucinated her. Um, you know, he, he saw her in the crowd right as they were leaving, uh, Caprica, but yeah, now, now she's going to haunt his life as a mind specter forever, I guess. Boy, I'll tell you, it was, uh, it was something. This, uh, this, this was directed by Michael Reimer. We, we talked about this before, uh, and, uh, there's a lot of that in this episode that I like what you describe, which is the conversation, the camera moves around. You yes. almost feel like you're with them moving around with them. So that's where I think the shoulder shots really work in this. They're candid. You feel like you're witnessing things as they happen. Yeah, yeah. You're moving through the the scene itself, not just purposely you know, set up getting only this glimpse of it. You're kind of moving around. Yeah, and, and there's, like a, there's a scene which we're going to get to coming up where the whole we need to have babies thing comes out. And the way that is shot is excellent, and I can't wait to talk about that, but very yeah. similar to what we're talking about here. But yeah, right? So she's, she's in his head. In uh-huh. Literally. Is, I love how Gaius is emotionally distraught. He's tearful. He's scared. He's going through the emotion of it all. And it yeah. makes you wonder. And you know, you said something. The, the character, the little character tease about Boomer makes that information much more interesting when you learn she is a Cylon. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm, yeah. Indeed. We move over to the Galactica. We see Adama is going to order the jump to Ragnar Station. We get the cool, you know, dolly in, zoom out effect of that weird kind of perspective move. Oh, man. And I love the sequence of the it's jump. It's slick. Yep. That, and you know, I think a big, again, I, <laughs> I can already hear some listeners like, you're going to talk about Star Trek and Star Wars again already. You're referencing You have them. to compare them. It's okay. You got to compare them. And I mean, you know, the hyperdrive in, in Star Trek, you know, everything stretches and we kind of get the lights stretching along with them. And of course, the famous Millennium Falcon uh, jumping to light speed with the stars warping to lines and moving past them. I like that in this, there's no sense of motion happening at all. It is just snap. You go from one place to another place. You are just from there to there. That's it. And that's, as far as we know, basically what it would be like. I mean, you're not moving really, really fast. You are literally just going through one point into the other. You are just there. It doesn't matter how far away it is. Yeah, it reminds me of, uh, what's that film there? Uh, Event Horizon, the folding of space. You just, boom, you punch through. You're on the other side in a second. 
Exactly. Uh, that's what I think of the FTL or faster than light drive. Mm-hmm. Spool up the FTL, they say. Uh, I love, this is something I talked to you about in the first uh, podcast about this, was that the great exterior of the Galactica at Ragnar zoomed way out, and you see how tiny it looks against Ragnar. Yes. Love yeah. it. And that also gives you a sense of how genuinely how large that storm is. That storm's not just some, you know, winds whipping around the station. It's, it's like they're in a galactic cloud almost. It's a very big situation. And just how big space is in general. Yeah, yeah. Dwarfs them. You don't feel, you know, it's not like a lot of other science fiction where the ship fills the screen. Mm-hmm. Because they're trying to show you, wow, look at how big and impressive this is. Where this, they're doing the opposite. They're saying, exactly. look how small and significant this is against the backdrop of space. Something that I think Interstellar does very well. That's Those true. amazing shots, this tiny little craft moving across and the black holes in the background and shit. Love yeah. it. Uh, and that, I mean, and that absolutely fits with the theme of this show. Like I was talking about the, the such a heavy contrast between look at the fabulous technology and what we've achieved of Star Trek to where look at no matter what we achieved in this world, we're still a fucking dot of light yes. uh, out in this ocean of darkness. And and the fact that they are at this point, like we were talking about in the very opening, literally, you know, pared down to 50,000 people. <laughs> the race has been pared down to 50,000 people. We are never been more of just a tiny speck. Absolutely. And you need to show that sometimes. If you shoot a film about a ship lost at sea, a a vessel, a modern day sailing vessel, or say a 1700s vessel, a master and commander, for example, if you got a ship lost at sea, you can't shoot the whole thing tight. You can't have all the shots be on the guys on the deck, under the cabin. You have to show them against the infinity feeling of the ocean. Exactly. To make you feel like, good Lord, we are way out there. And that's what we need to feel, and they do a good job of that. Mm-hmm. So Gator reports that they are geosynced with the station. Everyone rips an applause because FTL is dangerous. You know, this isn't warp drive. This isn't push a button and we're fine. There's dangers here. Yeah, I really like how they, with the technology they mentioned that they have to – this is something that no other sci-fi talks about either. It's not just, all right, I'm going to go into light speed now, bye, bam, and just go away. You have to know where you're going or yes. maybe for all – if you haven't calculated this trajectory, you're just going to punch right through the middle of a planet or a big asteroid or you know, you have to have that charted out. And it is – you know, you're hoping that in the you know infinitesimally impossible to measure – microsecond between your travel that something doesn't cross that path that who knows you know right what a, i can't imagine the math that is underlying all of this i do like that a lot too you know i like i like that it's very old school the way they plot it out it looks like it could be an early sailing vessel it looks like it could be a, a submarine from say world war ii where they're, yeah. they're literally plotting out a course. Uh, or you're, it, it makes me imagine those like, you know, guys with buzz cuts and their black ties on their white <laughs> short sleeve shirts in the NASA room of the 60s. It's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Well, buddy, how are we going to get there? We got to light more cigarettes. That's how. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so on Colonial One, Lee, of course, survived. Which, that, hey, which still exists. Still <laughs> exists. Cliffhanger's been answered. Yep, they weren't still exists. <laughs> Lee survived. He explains to Rosalind what he did. Essentially, a fake nuclear explosion. You pegged this. I did. This was a really good prediction by you. I felt proud of that. And then he yeah. talks about how it's a theory we toyed with during war college. And Rosalind thanks him for saving their collective asses. And then Rosalind catches on quick to what Lee's suggestions are. I like that. So... Rosalind starts to catch on quick. 
What's your impression of Roslyn at this point, and what's your impression of Lee and their dynamic? I I mean, they they seem to understand each other pretty well and pretty immediately. Uh, and it's amazing to me. They kind of it's I wouldn't call it unbelievable, but there's she is so capable that it's almost strange to me she was only a department head of education or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's almost as if and this might play into her character as the as the series goes on, but I get the sense from her that this situation brought out uh an underlying ambition, you know, and, and an intelligent capability that she's always had. And and she just maybe for whatever life circumstances felt stymied in some way and never really pursued these things because she seems to adopt the role of the presidency immediately. I mean, she, she is comfortable in it. She, she immediately inhabits it. And, uh, and I think Apollo is one of those guys, as much as he doesn't get along with his dad, he understands people who fill their role of authority very well and who are people you can trust in that role. People who, you know, I, I bet you know, okay, as much so as you're, it, so, so let me, let me, let me jump in on that. Let me, sure. let me riff on that. So you're thinking that maybe her, her confidence is, could have, could have been something that, in other words, she's, she's taking to the role quickly. I got that for whatever reason, we're not quite sure. Um, but you're also saying that Lee, you're thinking that he, he kind of get, takes her authority well because he because he's used to his father who has this authoritative aura about him. Yeah, and as much as we kind of have been had him presented to us as a uh, not petulant but kind of you know chafing in under his dad, I still think because of him being raised by that man is somebody who can sniff out a shysty person in an authority position and an honest, capable person within a, an authority position, and I think that's why. He seems to take to her pretty quickly. He they they right. are on the same wavelength as well, and, yeah. and they they work together well. Yeah, absolutely. That's good stuff. So we move on to this docking sequence, and uh, we get some stern pitches, some you know uh, bow and yaw ratio movement, and again, this is the babble that that Dean loves me talking <laughs> in the third person. I oh, like yeah. I this. This is the stuff that continues to make me believe that you're flying this giant war machine in space that requires expertise. And that's something that's very important to me is, is that we, we talk about this a lot. We talk about on our, on our science fiction film show, we talk about things like we need to see the expertise to really believe that this person has it in this particular thing. It could be a sword yeah. fight. It could be weapon play. It could be gun play. It could be fucking dancing. It could be wrestling. It could be anything. We need to believe. Yeah. And to do that in this, where you're doing a lot of talky talk, you have to make your talky talk seem real to me, like I think is how it would sound on a vessel like this. And I can assure you, they're bar- they, they are 100% borrowing a lot of this from different militaries around the world. Like action stations, I believe, might even be a British thing in the Navy. Ooh. We'll have to confirm that. But yeah, man, that... When, when he's like, you know, in, 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 I think that Alejandro Giuliano, what the fuck's his name? What the fuck's his name? Alessandro, uh, 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 I don't know this one. Um, let me look him up real quick. Lieutenant Gaeta. Oh. AJ, yeah. yeah. Felix Gaeta. Alessandro Giuliano. So maybe. A, Ale Alessandro. Ale, Ale, Ale. Fucking Ali Bob and the 40 Thieves, Dean. Spit it the fuck out. Uh, Alessandro Giuliani is his name. I don't know if it's Alessandro Giuliani. Uh, yeah, he's Felix Gaeta. That's his first name. So um, my point is, is I think this guy is a great casting because he gives you that sense of 
competence on the on this command uh, on the CIC combat yeah. information center where he's technical saying technical competence yeah yeah he gives me technical competence and he helps me believe based on the way he reports in and the way Ty and sometimes Adama respond to him that they're real soldiers they're real sailors they're real whatever the fuck you want to call them i guess soldiers and uh, they know how to run the ship it's great yeah yeah absolutely and this whole sequence is I, – I actually really, really enjoy the oh, yeah. exterior shots oh, yeah. of this stuff. Totally reminds me of the uh, 2001 uh, space station, the big pyres within the big spinning wheel uh, of Ragnar. Yep. This, uh, this scene kind of bounces around the, – the, this, this sequence bounces around a little to build some, some sense of loss for us because we see uh, the landing signal officer, Kelly, putting colonial dog tags on some dead – Chief Terrell and some Marines prepping to board the Ragnar station. Starbuck praying to the Lords of Kobol. Exactly. Mm, this the was plot a detail. Thickens. Uh-huh. I could not have seen this coming. I would have not thought that uh, Starbuck was religious. And for one, I, I can't quite tell if, she, if, we, if this is a re- revelation that, wow, she's actually religious. Um, or if she's, uh, you know, uh, religious in the time of tragedy, if, if she's the kind of person who hasn't prayed or thought about it in years until mm. now. Um, but we also get the revelation in this that she was for sure an item with Zach, uh, Lee Adama's brother Indeed. who died. And I guess uh, most likely somewhat close to Lee from that, either friends or possibly at this point, something more that we don't mm. really find out in this. Mm. Stuff to explore as we proceed through this episode. Theories to come, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So okay, yeah, Dr. Th- Ragnar, go yes. find me some bullets. Hard seal. That's right. We get a hard seal on the station. The chief and his crew enter the ammo reserve. And they get confronted by a man with a weapon. Mm-hmm. Totally a sweaty, like, anti-government guy from an X-Files episode got in here. <laughs> what do you That's- think about this guy right away? Oh God, he, he instantly appears crazy. I mean, that, that was, you know, I didn't, I, I, if they said his name or if we reveal his name, I never heard it. And I just referred to him as crazy, like just crazy. Crazy's got a gun. They down. didn't give his name yet, but I'm going to give it because it doesn't really matter. Oh, okay. His name is Leoben. Oh wow. I never heard that. You've Two heard things. us, you've heard us give him nods on the sci-fi film podcast without giving anything away. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. We've and typically referred to his treachery, which ob- which is obvious since you know he's a Cylon. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to be a treacherous lot. Oh yeah. Uh, so that's Leoben, and uh, he puts a weapon on them, and then we cut back to Sharon docking on the Colonial One with Gaius and some other survivors. Let me ask you this about Leoben before we move to uh, Sharon here. Sure. Where, what kind of suspicions did you have of this guy when he when he does the whole arms dealer story? Like, what, where, what, where were you with that? I, for what I immediately was suspicious of his story, and I wasn't jumping to, oh, he must be a Cylon. I was thinking, wow, actually, what the path it started me on was, ooh, are there human beings in cahoots with the Cylons? Like, did the Cylons infiltrate us? Not in the sense of getting, you know, other people, you know, fake human beings, you know, actual Cylons in there, but in recruiting and convincing actual human beings to turn against them mm. and sell out people. And so I was thinking it was maybe something like that where he was lying about being a, an arms dealer. Cause I'm like, how does an arms dealer, especially a single guy, we're not talking about an arms dealer and some huge, you know, oceans 11 team. Yeah. One guy is inside this gigantic deep space government facility. That's surrounded by uh, you know, radiated storm. 
how the hell right. did you get in here? Like, what the fuck? Like, no way that I just bought that. Oh, you know, I was just coming to steal stuff. I'm just a, you're, I'm just your friendly neighborhood cat burglar selling nuclear weapons out of this place. Like yeah, that, you, it was. You didn't get the charming white guy with the pearly white smile, the slick, <laughs> the slick talking black guy, the Chinese guy who's a contortionist. You know, you didn't, you didn't get that. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, Matt Damon wearing a rubber nose. Right. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Whatever nonsense. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So no, I, I was definitely suspicious of him right away and thought he was lying, but I did not. I couldn't have told you where it was going. Cool. So Sharon gets on the Colonial One. She actually reports to Lee, and then of course Guys comes on board. Uh, she briefs Lee and says the Viper Mark Sevens were shut down, like by a switch or something. She also says that she hopes Guys was worth it, and uh, Lee greets Gaius and tells him that the president wants to meet him. So boom, those, those few things happen. So obviously Sharon's a little butthurt about <laughs> this whole thing. Now, knowing what you know now, because now you can speculate, what do you think of her behavior? I, well, I guess if we're jumping ahead, I, I believe her. I totally believe her. Okay, um, that's all you need to say for now. Boom, that's okay, it. So, we'll okay, get into I it as her. we go. All right, you believe Still she's being genuine. Okay, Oh, cool. yeah. Uh, so we move on to Rosalind and Gaius meet, and I love it when Gaius is uncomfortable because he doesn't remember her, and she's like, it's okay, I wouldn't remember me either. <laughs> she, she fucking charms the pants off me in this scene. I, I think she is yes. so – that she's she nails that, look, I'm competent, but I'm not going to like flex it or be a shithead about it. She's just like – she's humble, and, and she's, she's so – humble and realistic, uh, yeah. I, I love her. Yeah, no, she's – this episode was – it redeemed Ty for me, and it really cemented how much I like Rosalind. Yeah, awesome. Back on the station, Leoben says he is not going back to jail. I want safe passage, blah, 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 blah. How well does the chief handle this? Oh, it's beautiful. I love the chief in this. He is excellent. Yeah, unhesitating. I love that his response is basically... I don't have time for this. There are 2,000 soldiers on that ship. If you think you can shoot your way through all of them, go right ahead. But if not, get the hell out of my way. Boom. Oh, like that's it. beautiful. Yeah, and get the this, hell out of my way. <laughs> He's all, he just yells at him. And oh, yeah. It moves. Strong play, and it works. And it works. And I do think, uh, you know, getting the reveal that we get, you know, not too far from now that he is a Cylon, I can't tell i guess i guess he's feigning ignorance to the attack and the war being on or i'm like there was a part of me that was like are they disconnected from one another is he not getting the signals that the war has started yet because he's inside this place or i i I couldn't tell if it was an act that's something i still wonder yeah they don't make it expressly clear at this point what he thinks yeah other than he does start to talk about you know humanity does it deserve which we'll get to oh yeah but guys (laughs) c6 before we do that and uh, mm-hmm. ignoring me won't help, she says. Uh, guys tries to tell himself, and, and, and this is Guys, again, he's on Colonial One, he's just chilling, and then yeah. boom, he starts he, to get this illusion. Yes, Rosalind has asked him to basically be her chief science officer. Yeah, you gotta, yeah. You've got to help me figure out how what's going on, how the attack started, figure out the silence. Basically, figure out the silence for us. Right. Uh, now, heavy, heavy task. Just as a heads up, I'm going to use the, and I thought about this before we started, to, to record, I'm going to use the term illusion not because it's a spoiler, just because it's easy. Gotcha. He okay. sees six, or, I'm, or however I'm going to say it. It's not, you know, it's not a slip of the tongue or anything. It's written down here in front of me because what we don't really know what it is at this point. Yeah, yeah. So 
she I, yeah. presents a pretty logical explanation, doesn't she? That yes, she does. At first, you know, he's trying to be like, "Oh, this is my subconscious. This is my guilt rearing up in your image." You know, da da da. But then she's saying, "Oh, okay, sure. Maybe you can tell yourself that psychobabble, or maybe I actually injected a damn chip in your brain, and I am transmitting." As a communication directly into your head. Indeed. So, yeah, I'm in your head, but that's a much more literal meaning to that. Right. What do you think of that? I, at this point, buy it okay. because that seems to be how their technology works. I mean, like, as she explains on Caprica, I can't die. If I die, I'm just transferred right back into another body. Um, and so it seems like they have the capability to have technology that – would allow her to be in that level of communication. I really think that her consciousness can be, at least I feel like this, uh, can be divided, that she could still be inhabiting, the, not not even just, you know, we're not talking about different models, or, you know, she says, I'll be going into a new body. Not that she's in a different body, but that the same exact consciousness could be in a chip in his head, and at the same time doing other stuff in its bodily form. Like just advanced computer technology just at that really point. really advanced, you know, multi, a, a split of it, the same consciousness, this, controlling multiple things at once. This calls back to our science fiction film uh, episode that we covered for Bounty there called Her, yeah. right? Because there's that whole idea of her, I've got, I've been talking to 655,000 guys because I can split my, you know, I can, you know, I can divide my attention and all that shit. Yeah. So, oh, and it, it, as that, you know, as he's, she's telling him that she's, are you talking to anyone else right now? Well, yeah, 300 other people, you know, right. as we are having this conversation, I'm having multiple conversations simultaneously. And I think that's kind of what's going on here. Yeah. Well, at the very end, we do see multiple copies of at least the ones we know to be silent at this point, and they're conversing. And it yes. doesn't see, and some seem to have different opinions than others, or maybe, or maybe not. It's tough to tell, but it's it's interesting that they'd even discuss it if they yeah. were all sharing the same. Concept. They're not a hive mind. It's something a little mm. different. It's mm. Ugh, mm. it's interesting. It's interesting. Six gets real saucy, and um, she wants to know what he's working on now, and that's when he says he's trying to figure out how you guys subverted all the colonial defenses, mm-hmm. and she kind of breaks away from this. And continues to stroke his hair and talk to him. And, you know, she says, we had something, Gaius, something special. Yeah, yeah. That, that Oh, that was my job, but I had other motives is one of the – unofficially. Yes. She yes. speaks for the first time about having unofficial, off the Cylon record motives and that he is a part of that. Uh, and then she and, says, what? Oh, what I want most of all is for you to love me. Yeah, yeah. And then God is love. Yes. What? <laughs> totally. Again, this is where that I am. I am baffled by the Cylons and by her. I, I I don't know what to make of it. I can't tell whether she is in some way kind of parodying human religion or actually believes in our human ideas of religion or it's, is just using our words to describe something else entirely. Like who knows? Who knows? Right. It's funny because you mentioned that before. You said she has this almost like detached, odd curiosity for humanity. And yes. I was wondering, you know, how you, when you originally said that, what do you, do you, do you think that somehow plays into this whole God thing or is it mocking or, or, oh, did, I can't or, or tell. does she get some kind of weird religious thing going on? <laughs> yeah. And see, after that, like, I can't wait to see, hopefully, I don't know, but other Cylons talking about this or if we get the sense that other Cylons are religious. Or, or talking about God at least, because I I think I even said on the last episode that maybe God, you know, she uses that word, that human word, 
Uh, but what she means it for is like their idea of a hive mind or yeah, like the you Cylon civilization. Who knows? So maybe she's using our terminology to describe their ideas. But there's another part of me that thinks, you know, she's so into human irrationality. She's so fascinated by, I guess, true human emotion that it seems like she would be very fascinated with human religion. And maybe she does. Maybe she's actively choosing to believe in it or participate in it because she finds it so interesting and so un unrobotic. Right. And, and, you know, at this point, it's her interest in guys is so odd. Why continue? What, what is to be gained by continuing? Right. That's true. Well, I mean, she keeps going on. She wants him even throughout, even though she's participating in the Cylon uh, conspiracy against them all and trying to wipe out the human race, she explicitly says, I hope you survive this. I want you to, I want you to live on so you can keep being my boyfriend and take me to the drive. And I mean, like she wants that. Like I, I buy that she has this like fascination with him as he, and she says later on in the episode too, uh, that she she th- perceived him as having no guilt and no conscience, and that's something she liked about him. Yeah, that's something to we're going to talk a lot about. I think. Uh huh. Awesome. Cool. So back on the station, we get Adama walking around the station. <laughs> so he checks in, and when I say station, I mean Ragnar Station. Yeah. He starts to look at Leoben very keenly. Like oh, yeah. the the this is something Edward James almost is a master of. His expressions change subtly enough to convey a lot to me. Oh yeah. And that's With, one of them. When he is just sort of looking at him and oh, you know yeah. he's thinking, man, I don't know about this guy. There's that scene where they're standing right, you know, right in front of the door, they're going to get blasted through in a second, mm-hmm. but you know, he's looking at him and he's hearing him out. He's like, "Oh, so you're an arms dealer." Da, 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 and he's talking about it. And he and he's saying, yeah, it's my allergies, blah blah. But then he's like, you don't look so good. Like he, right. that's the first time he says it. Actually, is you don't look so good. Just and, kind of looking at him quietly. And I think I think Adama already was figuring it out. Right. We then get a mishap. Boom. Leoben laughs, and what then a him and dumbass. A, they knock over a whole pallet of these things. I know. Did nobody work in like a? There's nobody who had time in a UPS workhouse, you know, facility. <laughs> you think the nobody deck who can crew use a dolly the right way? Yeah. No shit. Jesus. You think the deck crew of all people would have this down? <laughs> so uh, the chief can communicate. So we know everybody lived. Everybody's okay. And then Adama does this thing, this tactical thing that I love here. Oh, yeah. Get everything oh, yeah. onto the ship before getting me out. Tell Ty he's in charge until I return. Mm-hmm. And he explicitly says, don't use any people or equipment wasting time trying to get me out of here. You dedicate everyone to that effort. That's right. the priority. Right. A lot of me would say, well, that's because it takes time to get a plasma torch and cut people out. But it also tells me that he's thinking this thing with Leowin's going to go south quick. Yeah. It's awesome. That's true. And uh, grim. It's, there's a grimness to it, you know? Uh, I like that a lot. Oh, yeah. So we get a little tour of a new ship called uh, the Botanical Cruiser, and Rosalind's visiting. So she's met up with some civilian ships. She's touring the ship, talking to this captain, and she tells him, listen, we're going to get you whatever you need. And then she says, you have my word. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is tough. This is what I love about this setup here, which, of course, the payoff is is mm, her word doesn't matter because they all die yeah. because they don't have an FTL jump. They're, they're, they're incapable of FTL travel, so they are sacrificed when things get ugly. That's this funny. entire idea here 
is really cool because Rosalind is sick. She yeah. was the Secretary of Education, 42nd, I believe, in line of succession for the presidency. Now she's the president for a couple days. And <laughs> she's being thrust into these situations. And you just told me that she takes to it. She does well. She's doing great, looking good. But then she has what I almost would like to refer to as a politician's slip, where she gives somebody their word to ease them and then doesn't keep her word and they die. Yeah. This is yeah. a big deal in this episode that I think is overshadowed because of so many great things that happen, Cylons, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But that means something. Your word matters when you're a leader. Your word is important. You're the leader of all, of all 50,000 of these people or 47,000, whatever. So <laughs> let's just call it 50K for now. I know she breaks out the board, which I love. <laughs> so she, you're, you are the, you're, you're the leader of 50,000 people. You have my word. I like it because she's not being duplicitous, but no. she just made a mistake. Yeah. A it's a mistake. Yeah. yeah. I mean, nobody's there to call her on it because they're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> but, True. But it's something that will eat away at her. Absolutely. And we see it. I mean, we see her reaction to having excellent. to leave is horrible. I mean, she, she hates it. I mean, she's miserable. Um, yep. But yeah, it is one of those yeah. things. Cammy and, and cute yeah. little Cammy. She's on the ship. and Oh, Jesus. That was one where they're just like, we really need to hammer home the tragedy here. <laughs> Let's just really drive a nail through the viewer's eye. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Oh, yeah. It's a tough Dark. show. It's a tough Dark. show. But I do like Lee briefs her. You know, we got 60 ships, 40 have FTL. That's it. So 20 of the 40, 20 of the 60 do not have FTL. And then Boomer returns and spots a lone Cylon Raider Andreas, and that's when they go, fuck. Yeah. I love it. the menace. The pure menace of that raider jumping into the midst of your fleet and then jumping away after it scoots around. It's like any board game, any card game, any game ever where it's like, show your opponent your deck or your opponent can look at your hand or your opponent can look (laughs) at your pieces. I'm like, fuck. I hate that he know, you know, like that's such a shitty feeling when you go, fuck, they know where we are. They have immediately sized us up. Yeah. And they're oh, yeah. gone. We are oh. screwed. Yeah. Being that, discovered when you have such overwhelming odds against you is such a great tension builder in television. Oh my God. Yeah. And I mean, it, like you said it, I mean, it, the way that it's not, uh, it's not overly played, the way that that Cylon, yes. you know, scout is out there, it just pops in and it's, and the, you know, we've talked about before the handheld cameras in space. All of a sudden we zoom in on it and we just get to see it skirting by right through the middle and then boom, right back gone. You know, it could have been very easy for them to miss it even being there. Right. They just luckily caught it and they know. And I love that all the military people are immediately aware that it had enough time to scan us. It had enough time to relay back where we are. Mm-hmm. We have minutes to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. And this is just food for thought, something to get your gears turning. Ooh. If there is a, if you are commanding a group of humans, right? And you say to them, you say to your pilot, I want you to jump in the midst of their fleet, see what you can see, and then get out of there. <laughs> right? Relay that information back to us and then get out of there, right? So 
let's, we're going to do a little work through here. This is me teasing you a little. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you do that because you're a human and because you care. Why sacrifice your pilot, right? Yeah. If you're a Cylon and you have an unmanned raider, yes. why not drone, launch missiles? Mm. Something to think about. Missiles. Good point. I didn't right? think about because that. Because if, if, why not launch missiles there? Are, are they low on resources? Do they care about the fucking raider? Are they worried about killing one of their own? I thought about that the first time I saw it. That's why I was like, why would he ban- jump away if he's unmanned? He's a drone. He should just fucking blow himself up and takes a ship with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something yeah. to think about. I mean, mm. a, a human is obvious. You don't want to waste the fucking resources. You don't want to. Yeah. Uh, or, or it could be even like a Borg thing. Like they go, oh, hello. Like we ignore you. So I just wanted to get your wheels turning on that. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Now you'll stay up at night. <laughs> Lose sleep over this. Uh, so anyway, Lee tells Rosalind they have to leave now. Doral suggests they can't abandon everyone. Well, okay. Yeah. We later learn that Doral's a fucking Cylon. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, indeed. So, so interesting a- that he's trying to say, that he's trying to push them to stay, because obviously the objective is clear. Oh, no, yeah. Annihilation of the fleet. Right. That's what he wants. And then Lee breaks down the hard numbers. We're trying to survive... As a race here. Yeah. I love that. I think this is the first time somebody flat out says that, where they're, we're not talking about winning a war. Right. We're not talking about the survival of a colony or getting out ahead. We're talking about the survival of the human race. And it could That's be dark. wiped out in seconds if we don't act. That's Oof. dark, man. Very. Oh, man. So, Rosalind orders the jump. Yeah. She reveals that she has cancer. Billy says he knows. I like that. That, that's realistic to me. An assistant who's very alert to you and notices weird things going on knows something's up, you know? Yeah, exactly. He then unfortunately tells her that Cammy's not going to make the jump. And <laughs> that's it. On my first watch, I was like, did you have to say that, man? Did you have to throw that onto the, her back? Right, like, right. there's lots of people dying. You had to be like, oh, that one specific person you have, that, whose face you're going to remember in your nightmares forever, they're also going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Could you just sat on that one? Like, I couldn't tell if it was him just having a, I just had to say it moment, or if it was a last ditch, maybe I can get you to change your mind. I actually want you to try kind of thing. I don't know. I couldn't May, tell. I, I like I like where your head's at there. I think probably if I'm that kid and I know that maybe I can save people's lives by opening my mouth, I'm compelled to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he tells her that and she just says, thank you. Right. As if I understand what you're saying. I know you want me to consider that, but we just can't. <laughs> right. And you're absolved. It's not your problem, Billy. It's my problem. Yeah. You know, I yeah, think no, so. It's, it's my PTS nightmares to have forever, Billy. Thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> President Rosalind, I just want you to know that Cammy, her entire family, that cute little doll, they're going to burn in a flash of pain and agony before <laughs> winking out of existence. I just All because you of your know. decision. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Billy. Put yourself on the Botanica, and uh, Thanks, I'll Billy. Find you take myself. care of those curls, bud. <laughs> Sauce curls. <laughs> I don't know, man. The one of the uh, most underratedly cute girls in the show is into him. <laughs> That's for damn sure. <laughs> so, but, oh, the Rosnor's next, this sequence is heart wrenching. 
I mean, the radio, just that subtle, quiet radio chatter of, I can't believe you're asking us to do this. You know, and those people being like, are you really turning your back on us? Da, da, da. And, and Lee even has the moment of don't respond to them. Don't say anything over the airwaves because if for whatever reason, some of them do survive and they're captured, then the Cylons capturing them are going to know exactly where we're going. Right. Because we I can't think, even talk. I think the guy's like, tell us our coordinates. We'll meet you there at sublight speed. You know, they yeah. never make it, but even Lee's like, we can't, that look. I mean, if they get that, if they capture them, consider them to know everything we know. Yeah, because they're Cylons, and who the fuck knows what kind of tech they have. Oh, I like that yeah. a lot. The, the right before this, I think, is a great moment for the Rosalind character because it's such a realistic moment, and this is something these characters do. They admit this vulnerability. They admit the reality of their thoughts, and she says, "All I can think about is my own sickness, and all these people around me are dying." I mean, that's real, though. That's real. That's human. So yeah. real. So human. And Billy says, no, it's not. It's human. And, and, and it's, this is the stuff I mean. This type yeah. of talk happens on this show. The type of things that you think would be occurring between these adult three-dimensional layered characters. These internal struggles that are so strong. Mm-hmm. I love it. Exactly. It and adds I, and such that- an element it raises the stakes so high when you add this other stuff to it. Oh, yeah. Because absolutely. if you're watching something shitty and you don't care and the stakes are the human race will be annihilated, there are times when I'm like, good, I hope they all die. <laughs> or if I'm watching a horror film and I'm like, I hope they continue to go into the barn single file and get killed by Jason Voorhees' hatchet. <laughs> yes. I hope he wins. Please kill them all because they're yeah. stupid and I don't <laughs> like them. That's yeah. where you, you got to make characters that people care about or we're always going to be rooting for the bad guys. Never do I want the Cylons to be victorious when Fuck I'm watching no. these two episodes. Never. Yeah. I can't say I the same a, a about curiosity. the Empire and Star Wars. Sometimes I want TIE fighters to shoot down <laughs> X-Wings, okay? Yeah, they make a cool-ass noise. Exactly. I love that TIE fighter noise. Exactly. But, uh, but no, I, I totally know what you mean. I, I agree that, um, you know... Th- I want to understand the Cylons. I have a curiosity about what motivates them, what's pushing them. But I never even have a flicker of of thinking the humans deserve what they're getting. Right. They absolutely are the good guys. We want to see them make it out of this. Yes. Um, and as far as like the alchemy of what makes Rosalind what she is – the, the cancer element, it does not seem like something superfluous. It's not just like a, oh, and on top of that, she's got cancer. So that, that's another wacky, dark thing. On, like, no, it, it adds to this, like I was saying earlier, that maybe she had ambition. Maybe she had these things and was never, just never felt the desire to push forward for them, you know, felt limited in some way. And in th- this scenario, when the entire human race is now at risk, so many people have been lost. You've lost your entire planet. You also have terminal cancer. So you know you're – regardless of maybe maybe there is hope and everybody does survive this, you're still not. Like yeah. your time is <laughs> yeah. officially numbered and it is dwindling. I feel like that there's this really interesting mixture of all of that that has freed her up to – dedicate herself to this, to dedicate herself to trying to be a, a good leader and leading people out and leading people to safety, uh, to make use of this time. Like that, right. I feel like is such an interesting aspect. Of her and character. she's such an exceptional woman because the average bear would just be like, I'm resigning. I, I I'm resigning and, and I got other things to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Every man for themselves. Fuck off. Yeah. I'm yeah. resigning. I'm fucking dying of cancer. I'm resigning. Yeah. You know, there you go. So, um, 
but let's get to um, this scene. That, you know, I love when they come in. I love the missile launch. Oh, it's dark. so cool. And I feel so like cool. I could be messing up the name. I might be thinking, confusing the movies, but I feel like it's the night. It's a movie from the '60s called Failsafe about uh, kind of the same premise as Doctor Strangelove, but taken a lot more seriously. Uh, about you know a uh, a Russian plane or an American plane accidentally getting the order to nuke Moscow, and they can't. Yes, because of the failsafe order, they can't be told to turn back. Yes, uh, the Great last movie. shot of that movie, I feel like, is a little girl just like this, and it just pauses and fades to white. Awesome. So dark so sad uh poor kid yep it is fail safe and it is a 60s movie right. i mean fuck all the adults but poor kid no <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah uh but yeah it's good stuff hardcore i like it and yeah. uh, that boom, unflinching boom just that simple music boom oh the boom. music of the show all the missiles come in and they just oh it's awesome i love the overwhelming firepower they deliver it's amazing the fact that it's like the way they fire them and they fire it all at once, it's like every single ship, every single thing we see has a missile for it. Everybody's, yep. everybody's Everybody gets getting a missile. one. Everybody gets a missile. <laughs> <laughs> you get a missile and you get a missile and you get a missile. <laughs> like the fucking old St. Nicholas distributing presents. That's through there. They're just distributing missiles. Down the chimney of every Swedish child. Put a, <laughs> put a goddamn missile down the chimney, up the chimney. All right. So at Ragnar Station... <clears throat> Adama starts to Adama starts to talk to the uh, gun dealer philosopher. <laughs> I know, yeah, I love it. That was another weird thing. Immediately, I also love how Leoben makes it clear that he goes, "Oh, you got me always in front of you. Military training, right?" There's something <laughs> yeah. about Callum Keith Rennie is the actor. There yeah. is something about this guy that is just so awesome. I, I like Callum Keith Rennie. He plays a character in Californication season two called Lou Ashby. Couldn't be further from this guy, except <laughs> there's a bit of charm to him, which you, which you see here in this moment. Um, yeah. And of course, we haven't seen the last of them because there's more as we see at the end of the episode. So we know we're going to get more of, of all of them. We know we're going to get more of him, which is great. Uh, but I like how he asks Adama the very questions that Adama in the first half of the series was asking everyone else. Ooh, that is true. Right? That is true. I like this a lot. Humanity is not a pretty race. We, he's referring to him himself as a human, keeping the subterfuge going. Mm-hmm. We are savages. Maybe the Cylons are God's retribution. What if he gave Cylons souls? Uh-huh. Right? And then Adama says, listen, man created Cylon, not God, and he's certain souls were not part of the programming. <laughs> but <laughs> We didn't write code for that. Maybe the humans don't deserve to be saved, Right. That is something that Adama brought up, and I think it's very interesting because I'm going to go back to something you said a minute ago. Let the record state <laughs> that, Matthew, on this one. <clears throat> that Matthew said the humans are the good guys. Oh, indeed. It's funny I stand that by. I know. I like that. I, I like that you say that, and of course they are. They're the good guys, right? We're watching the <laughs> fucking good guys here. We don't want them to die. But it's <laughs> funny that. Adama even questioned it himself, and now yeah. Leoben is bringing it up. Yeah. And I, I yeah, just for, for our listeners and for anybody, you know, if you're ever having a tough time with any piece of media and you're, or a book or a movie and you're trying to figure out who's the good guy or bad guy, a good rule of thumb. I'm not going to lie. It sounds a little crazy. Good rule of thumb. Don't, the don't people, you dare. This is really risky. We're going to have to, <laughs> what you're going for, we're going to have to warn know, people up front. But I think it's, I know what you're going to say. It's a little risque. But the people committing genocide, 
not typically the good guys. Not usually. Not usually the good guys. Matthew, <laughs> you can't unring that bell, okay? <laughs> uh, you- hey, this is the hill I'm going to die on, Dean. <laughs> All right. Pick my battle. You're going to fall on your sword on this one? The people who don't commit genocide most of the time are the bad guys. <sighs> God, we're going to get a lot say. of flack for this, for this controversial stance. This, oh, fuck. I'm bold. Now, you are bold. You're not afraid <laughs> to put it out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Adama says, you know, it talks about silica pathways and all this shit. And uh, we move back to uh, on the Galactica Tie and Gata go to action stations and because they get the signal that 50 ships have just mm. arrived out of nowhere and they think a whole fleet of Cylons has descended on them. And Ty gets to work, doesn't he? Oh yeah. No, his one of his immediate commands is go ahead and detach from Ragnar right now. Like Boom. we got to get mobile immediately. Yes. Oh, Again, that was so good. Expertise, tactical expertise by Ty, right? He's yeah. a fucking colonel. Yeah. The Didn't first half of the episode, farting. right. He didn't get there by being a total drunk. I'm sure Adama's carried him along the way a little bit if he's one of his best friends. Oh, yeah. But action stations stand down. Once D realizes it could be friendly, he says, don't just accept it. Challenge it. You know, send a yeah. hostile challenge, they call that sometimes. Oh, um, that's good. And then action, action stations stand down. Details Ty that the president's on board. And then we get a real hard cut to Ty and Rosalind just arguing. Yeah. And I love his reaction to that. It was just like... All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever. President, sure. Michael Hogan is fucking fabulous. He is a really <laughs> good actor, this guy. Yeah. Um, I'm preparing him. a ship for war, and she says the war is over, and we lost. Oof, the yeah. war is over, and we lost. How does that make you feel when you are a battle-hardened military commander, Colonel Ty, I'm talking here, mm-hmm. exactly. and you were drunk, you heard... <laughs> In action stations, you got up with your uniform unbuttoned. You made your way to the combat information center. Adama told you this is not a joke. And then you said, what are we going to do? Let's go get bullets. And now you got bullets, and they're telling you it's over. Yeah, war over, done. I mean, <sighs> the only thing I can liken that to is, is when I watched uh, uh, Conor McGregor fight Aldo, and he punched him once, and the fight was over. And the fight was hyped up for years. And Aldo's like, well, are, and Aldo's on the ground waking up saying, oh, are we going to fight now? I'm like, I'm that, sorry, dude. Yeah, dude. You, you, you went out and he caught you with a fucking counter left hand and you went out. And that's, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Ty, you, no. never got, you never got to fight. You're done. It's heavy. And it's that's, heavy. again, this is our first, I would say one of our first moments of a character having their purpose they're really true defining you know individually defining purpose destroyed basically and he can't accept that he he's like fuck that no we're, we're, we're getting this ship back into action that's our priority done right i'm not accepting this war's over thing so rosalind just commands him and ty doesn't hear it he does not hear this no and he's Part of me says, how do you blame these guys when they go at it with Rosalind? She was an education secretary before, and now she wants to command a fleet? Come, exactly. come, come on. Right? Yeah. Do you understand this? You got fucking sauce curls with you? Do you know what you're talking about? <laughs> but Rosalind has yeah. good instincts, and that's what's cool about this. But anyway, I like how Ty meets them in the middle. Two mm-hmm. pods, no personnel. 
because your old man's going to be so damn happy you're alive, right? Mm-hmm. And it's Apollo uh, stepping in between them that he makes does. this idea. He's the one saying, hey, let's compromise. Let's let's at least get these two disaster pods. And then, of course, Ty adds on to that. You're not using any of our people or equipment to get them out there. You guys figure it out, the distribution, to do this. One of the We're- highlights of the episode, and it comes very quick and brief, Lee says, just give us whatever. And it's a quick shot of Ty, and he goes, us. Like, oh, you're hurt. You guys are a thing now? Like, where's oh, your loyalty, right. dude? I love yeah. that. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a great pickup by Ty to point it out and to challenge him right on the spot. Us. Like, his, his face is like, oh, okay, that's fucking cute. Grow up. Yeah. I yeah. love it. And it's, then it's outstanding. He, I love how right after that, too, after he compromises and agrees, okay, here's their disaster pods. You use your own people to get them set up and do whatever you need. And then, Apollo, report for duty. You are now senior pilot on this ship. Keep right. your ass here. You're not helping out with their stuff anymore. Right. Okay. He's, he's, the, he's the new captain of the, or commander of the air group. He's the CAG. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. But it shows instincts for Ty. It shows that he picked up on the us thing. He started getting to battle right away. Just a great scene for Ty and a good episode oh, yeah. overall for him. For sure. For sure. But, again, we see the flaws, right? Yeah. The flaws. He's, he's got to – we see how he needs to grow. And right. Adama, as we see by the end of the episode, is I think where he's at because even though he's just as salty and tough and as old of a warrior, he's better at accepting change and growing than guys like Ty. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's, he has more empathy than Ty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So Bill and Gaius walk around the halls. So Billy's taking Gaius around, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the chief returns to the ship and runs into Boomer. A great embrace. A, a good feeling here. They hug. It's, yeah. It's, it's genuine. Nice. It's, it's genuine. Um, D runs into Billy, lays a nice smoochy smooch <laughs> I mean, I on think, his I lips. think you mean Rihanna? I think you mean Rihanna. <sighs> She's gorgeous. Uh, she then shows him the way. Uh, Gaius has a disdainful look on his face when they kiss, which I love. He's just like, okay. <laughs> the last time I got laid, a whole planet died. <laughs> yeah, the last time I got laid was with a fucking six-foot supermodel. Um, <laughs> that too. <laughs> uh, and then Lee goes to see Carol on the hangar deck. Great scene. Great oh, chemistry between uh, um, uh, Such Katie Sackhoff and Jamie Bamber. Yeah, yeah. And very subdued people is what they is what yes. we both see that there's a, there's a whole deep reservoir of emotion and history between them that is very apparent and they obviously have very deep feelings for each other i mean the look on each of their faces is it's of so quiet but is so delighted to see one another again but they're totally just they play it off verbally they don't talk about it at all they don't they're just like wow you're not dead <laughs> Okay, I love. And then the they way start they joking and yeah, she she he he busts her balls a lot yeah. because oh, because yeah. she's and that's that's the is fucked up as it sounds. This is the power dynamic in this scene, and that's well, she's now processing it. He's got nothing to process, and now he's going to tease her. You know? Yeah, exactly. I thought you were oh, dead, shit. and he's like, I thought you were a hack, and she's like, It's good to be wrong. And, you know, and he's like, you should be, you used, should be to used to it. it. Right. He, he's laying into her a little. And, uh, yeah. you know, he just uh. breaks her bones. And then they have a real long, tense silence, like you described. Mm-hmm. How go the repairs? I, I couldn't tell if they were resisting a nice, friendly hug or a real deep kiss. <laughs> perfect. Uh, That's perfect. Tell. They're resisting something. They are. And then once Starbuck has done processing, she flips the script and says, well, I'm not enough 
big enough dipstick for the CAG job. I didn't want it, right? <laughs> yeah, so exactly. She comes right back on him, and then we cut away. Back on the uh, the station, Adama and the arms dealer, or Leoben, have a moment. I don't have allergies. And that's when he's just like, you know what? Once they find you, it won't take them long to destroy you. And then oh, yeah. Adama's the whole, disgust oh. is just so palpable. And I love, I mean, the, the, I love how basically the jig is up. It's revealed without either of them. It's not like Adama's like, you know, we don't get a musical uh, stinger behind it. Like, you're a Cylon. There's none of that shit. He's just, he's basically like, yeah, the silicon pathways in your synthetic brain. Yes. There's, we know this cloud is way. It's just an understanding. We don't have to say it. I fucking nope. get it. I know what you are. Yes. You know what I am. Yes. Oh, it's and so not good. totally inconceivable. It's great. No. I can feel more than you can conceive, Adama. When I die, this body's conscious will be transferred to another. When that happens, I'll tell the elders where you are. They will kill all of you. Yeah. And that's when oh. Adama kind of calls his bluff. He's like, I think you would have left if you could, right? Yeah. It's a little too late for that. Awesome. Boom. They You're fight. And here's a nice indication of how friggin' strong they are. Oh, yeah. Big time. I, he faked, he feigned being yeah, and dead. Yeah, boom, too. grabbed his neck in a flash. One God. frame. This just, oh, the whole thing reminded me of Terminator, the original movie. Yeah. Steamy factory. Yeah. And just picking him up and hauling him off. I mean, fuck, they are really strong. They've got to be at least twice as strong as human beings. Very, very strong. And I like that whatever is affecting Leoben does tip the balance of the fate, the fight and fate, the fight. The fight in favor of Adama, which is you know makes sense, and he bashes his head out with a. With a he answers our I trivia mean, question. <laughs> he answers our trivia question. Full blown drive elevator scene style. Now let like, me ask you: damn. Did your did the did the question come up in your viewing, and you start to go, "Wait a second! Like, did you? Oh have- no! The the moment he slammed uh, Leoben against the wall and was like, "I think you would have gotten out of here," and he's shining that flashlight in his face. I was like, awesome. "Oh shit!" It's about to happen, and I was wrong on who used it. <laughs> cool, awesome. Now the question is: that's not too spoilery, right? Wait, what do you mean? Like the question, how you start oh. to figure out right when it happened? Because it's like literally seconds; it's unfolding. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, I didn't cool. know until into that scene. For okay, sure. cool. I just want to make sure. I don't want to spoil stuff, but I want to intrigue you. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's going to be sure. slightly spoilery, but <laughs> but also, I mean, I think we we I want to say about how well. I get the 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 structure of this show is very well laid out in the sense of things are there's nothing there that hasn't been established and we get callbacks to existing lines you know there's nothing that comes out of nowhere illogically right and the the chop that they experience entering Ragnar they don't really talk about it but they're saying let's go into the eye of the storm there's going to be chop it's going to mess with our instruments yes they're already laying out the fact that this storm is not just you know a happenstance. It is an engineered, it is a colonial engineered storm to be around this place to make it uh, basically an oasis that Cylons can't enter. Right, and that's why it's there, and that's you know, it sets up this whole entire encounter with Leoben. Very cool. Ah, uh, beautiful. We move over to Gaius and Gaeta talking. Uh, these two have great chemistry as well. Gaius yes, and Gaeta, yeah. uh, they discuss the CNP, and Gaeta confirms that Gaius's system was definitely probably how the Cylons got in. And th- this is some brilliant acting by James Callis here, which is Gaius. He's so good. And he yeah. suggests, you know, you know, we're going to wipe the systems. And Gaeta says, all right, I'll purge the stuff on the Vipers. We'll retrofit everything. And then he's like, Gaeta's like, you know, it really must be hard for you. And he's like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> like, well, I don't know. And, you know, he goes, 
you know, they built this thing, and he goes, well, it, 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 it is it is hard. I, I feel responsible, in a way, for what happened. Like, he's such a good actor because yeah. you feel like he's so shifty. Yeah, yeah. And that's also because in this scene, he is having the intrusion of six again, you know, tickling his ear and getting sure. in, you know, he's being interrupted and trying to respond to, to Gaia at the same time. Gaia. I think you said Gaia, which I think is the name of the earth for hippies. <laughs> Mother Gaia. Come to Gaia. Come to the temple of the one-eyed triangle clan and pray <laughs> to Gaia. We will smoke many, many pounds of DMT and have sex with each other. Um, uh, Gaeta, so yes. that's the Cylon religion. <laughs> uh, man, done, <laughs> done. sold. Uh, but and then uh, yeah, because she cause she keeps interrupting, saying, "But you don't. You aren't burdened by regret, right?" <laughs> she just keeps harping <laughs> or on conscience it. or guilt or yeah. Uh, but then, no, it is. I like that he he's wrestling with this because he's not. He isn't a character without a conscience. He we wouldn't have seen him in the shambles that he's in if he had no fucking feeling about it whatsoever. I mean, he feels a, a, a definite amount of remorse, um, but I think he's, he's also... He's such a complicated character. He's so complicated. And I think, I think a part of him is not just... It's not the, the emotional remorse of the loss of life. I think part of it is a grappling with his failure of, I created something they were able to crack and use. Like he, I imagine he's the kind of guy with an ego that is like, I wanted what I made to be impenetrable, to be this genius, brilliant, untouchable system, not something that could be cracked and exploited so terribly. There's right. a little bit of pride mixed up in there too, I think. Yeah, pride and and remorse at times and remorse not oh, yeah. at other times. Like the, I feel responsible like in a way. You see him, his face is just like, and she's like, but you don't. Like, and you can almost- <laughs> Such see, a devil on his shoulder. Ugh. And you can almost see it in his face that- in whatever moments he doesn't when Gator brings it up. And Gator's so, he's such an efficient watch officer, but he seems so naive. He does, emotionally. It's adorable, yeah. right? It's adorable to watch him in the presence of this great mind that he obviously looks up to just by the way he interacts with him. Yeah. yeah. Be, and Gator's just like, you know, just try to remember. <laughs> try I mean, to give really, him advice. And it's such a tactless question to ask somebody. Like, it must be really bad to be like, Totally responsible for all this, right? Like he, he's not meaning it in an insulting no. way at all. I think he's totally genuine and just trying to connect with him. But it's such a, almost a childlike question. It's like, don't ask that. Jesus, sure. man. Yeah. And then, of course, six taunts guys some more. Not like you cheat on women. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gets right back oh, down to so it. So good. Uh, Poor, I, I feel so bad for him in the whole having to, I am trying to not appear crazy as shit while you're talking to me <laughs> and right. I'm interacting with other people. I'm like, what a burden that is. Yeah, it's excellent. Oh, and so I mean, good. the scene goes on and, and, you know, Six brings up the, you know, I want to have a future together with you. And he's like, well, won't that be special being sarcastic? And that's when she says, well, I'm going to help you out peek over at that Dreadus console and he's like, what is that, a Cylon device? And that's when they go through the whole thing and Gaius starts to conclude that. The next, I love, that's what's so great about the show, the double oh fucks. Oh yes. fuck, a Cylon device. Oh fuck, that means there's a Cylon on the ship. And, and not even that, like there's the other layer of it's not like he can. She says it too. You know, it's not like he can go, Cap, Adama, Adama. There's a Cylon device right. because the next question from all of them is, you know what Cylon technology looks like? Because none of us do. It's been forty years. 
You right. can't know what this looks like. Have you been in communication with it? Like, it would immediately be throwing yourself under the damn bus. Right. So and what I like do you that. even do? That's great because we're dealing with Gaius, the character, and we want to watch Gaius have to overcome things. We want to watch Gaius as a character have things he has to do. And that's we have to watch him come to this conclusion on how he's going to let them know. So it's like this mini episode in the episode, you know? Oh, yeah. And that's, again, a lot of good things going on in this miniseries, no doubt. (laughs) So he snoops around the CIC, and uh, Six gets real sexy with him. And, yeah. uh, you know, he, he's like, how do you, how, how do you, how do you know what a silent device looks like? She continues to tempt him. She's so sexy. <laughs> Doral breaks up the fun and he's like, well, here are the list of the ships using the CNP. He was getting his mental hand job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and then I love when we move back to Gaius's face and it's a totally different expression. And you see him say, I'm thinking someone needs to be implicated as a Cylon agent. And you're like, damn, that is Oof. a scary proposition. Yeah, it's bold. He knows he knows he has to somehow get the awareness out to other people. It's like basically having to make the choice of you have to make other people aware that there's a Cylon presence on board or presence interfering with things, but you can't implicate yourself in the knowledge of it really like you have to just like drop the seeds of it out there like get other people to understand it without you being the one to make them understand it in a way Uh, when i first watched this i thought man this guy is such a snake (laughs) and he ends up being right he's right (sighs) wild yeah oh man so gaius concludes that nobody knows what silence looks like and, uh, you know, six, cause six says I've never seen him. I mean, she's not being honest here as we learn yeah. at the end. And that throws things off with six, because if we know she's lied to him, now it's going to throw off what is real and what isn't what she says to him. If, if she's okay with this lie. Mm, that's true. Right. Fuck. So later we see a dead Cylon being brought on board in, uh, you know, Ty and, Adam, we're talking. Silence look like us now. Ty says, great. <laughs> yeah. Well, because this is Leoben, right? Yeah, Adam is Leoben smashed in face. Uh, they discuss <laughs> things briefly before Ty reveals that Lee is, of course, alive. Mm-hmm. So uh, we get a nice little a nice little makeup, right? We get Lee reporting to his dad's quarters, leasing the image. Adama goes in for the old sorry. Lee tries to leave Adama, and he gives him a hug. Real feeling here. This is good. This is really good, because this is... This is as intimate as they've been in years. You know, I mean, this is this is big big deal for them. Did you did you think that this was something that was going to go on and on for the season? The the tension between them? The estrangement? Yeah, I wondered. I wondered if this was going to be an ongoing rift for them. I thought that it may progress for a while. I didn't think to, to see them being outright like enemies or have it, it flare up all the time, but I, I didn't think I was going to see them embrace uh, this early. Gotcha. And uh, in the same vein, which we don't have to explore on, did you think the Zach thing was going to come up like it did, the truth about Zach's death? I did. I, I no, no, Oh, you mean Starbuck revealing her involvement? I thought it was going to be I, – I was assuming we were going to get a clearer picture of Starbuck's relation to him, which we did. 
Um, but I was not expecting her <laughs> responsibility in this in the whole death. Right, and that's uh, that's not the very next scene, but it's but it's right after the Thai guys and Adama meet up, and they say, "Hey, we need you to make a Cylon screening device." Great, <laughs> have a nice day. And then Ty is is wise enough to say, "Keep it on the wraps because people are going to start accusing people, and it's going to be panic." Yes, uh, this is another. This is the scene, really. I mean, I've I've had other scenes in this episode and the one before where I'm like, oh, "Okay, I see. I like Ty." I really liked his judgment here yeah. of, you know, that is such a moral, rational statement to make of like, we do not want witch hunts happening right now. And yeah. this is how it happens. And what I like about that, it is a, it is, it is definitely a moral consideration, it but it's, it's almost a, it, it seems so perfect for the Thai character because it's a, it's an, it's an observation he makes based on the fact that he assumes the worst out of people. Yeah, that's true. Right? It's interesting. He's almost like, we can't tell these dummies. He doesn't say it, but you get the impression. He's like, well, I know how people are. I'm, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm a pessimistic fatalist. So by way of his attitude, he has this observation. And then he's, he's like, that's the last thing we need is this disorder and Mm -hmm. madness. But I really, I mean, I just, even the way he he phrases it, like I like the way he says he's like, we don't want people, you know, accusing other people of being a Cylon because they didn't brush their teeth right. in the morning. Like it is, he hides it in this guise of like, ah, okay, we, it's just another thing we got to get done on the checklist here. It's a practical consideration. Let's keep it on the download. But there is like kind of a, a, a morality behind it of of being like. We don't want innocent people getting tossed under just because of them being singled out for behavior because right. we don't understand enough about the Cylons to judge anybody's behavior about what we might think one would be. Right. And make no mistake about it, this is just another layer to tie. Of course he's a moral guy. He's yeah. just a hard ass. He's <laughs> not as empathetic. That's all. He made a hard decision to save the ship in the last episode, and he made it because he wanted to save everyone else's life. Right? Exactly. You never get the impression yeah. Ty's like trying to save himself. I mean, that's a guy's no. move. Right. Yeah. So you know, you know, there's there's a there's a bit of this. I want to be useful. I want to be good at what I do. This is Ty, and he does make it, and that's what that's what's so cool about him. Like your take on and my take on it are not mutually exclusive. They're probably the same guy, and that's what's fascinating about these characters. They feel layered. So Starbuck returns from her recon mission, and she says to Lee, she says, "Lee, Zach failed basic flight." He should have been out, but he didn't. I passed him. He's sloppy, didn't have any feel for flying. Um, I felt something for him, and I couldn't fail him. Mm. Huge reveal. Yeah. Because, and that's why, you know, it makes the line that she said to him in the first episode more poignant, where she was like, "Are you? can you finally let this go between you guys? Can you stop, uh, you know, having, pouring that guilt on him? And, you know, he doesn't really answer it. He's basically yeah. implying, no, I can't. And so we really realize she's asking that for herself. Like, yeah. can you can you think you can release the valve on the guilt you're dumping on this situation? I love how he just asks, though, why are you telling me? Yeah. Because yeah. it's the end of the world. I thought I should confess my sins. Confess my sins. Lots of mm. religious shit Ooh. in here, surprisingly. Ooh. It's interesting. Huh? In a ways I just never would have expected. Right. How does it make you feel? Does it feel bad? Does it feel good? Does it intrigue you? Does oh, it- no, I'm totally intrigued. I'll, I won't lie. The way I'm most intrigued about it, which I've already kind of gone on about, but is the Cylons' angle on on religion. Because I think part of like, especially when uh, Theoban was talking to Adama and the, you know, the corridors back on Ragnar – 
the whole thing about how, oh, well, you know, maybe the Cylons. Ooh, what are did the you redemption. say his name was? Theoban? Oh, fuck. <laughs> what the fuck is it? <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's, it's kind of like Starbuck. Like, I think I just saw a Cylon Raider, but I'm not sure. I was like, did you say Theoden? Like the king? I think I, I combined. Of the mark. <laughs> Leoben. Uh, what is it? L-E-O-B-E-N. Nah, I don't even fucking believe you that they ever said that name, but whatever. Anyways. They didn't. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't. Leoben. Leoben. Well, anyways, with, when they're talking, you know, the point he's hammering on is that maybe Cylons are the redemption for humanity. You know, humanity is a sin. You know, yeah. kind of talk about like Old Testament style shit of like this era of humanity is doomed. It has to be wiped away again, you know, with a f- great flood and then there will be a redeeming species. And that's kind of what the Cylons are, are kind of claiming to be in Indeed. like a philosophical sense. Like that's their their mission statement, uh, <laughs> if you will. And what's so crazy about that is that in most shows like this, again, like Star Trek, you know, we kind of get uh, this picture of humanity evolving past either, not necessarily religion, but in a way, any kinds of spirituality or mysticism, it's like they become more, their their faith lies in technology itself as this, uh, you know, light bringer and taking us out of, you know, the dark ages and into a better civilization. Whereas it seems like the Cylons who now hate humanity are a piece of technology themselves and they're looking toward mysticism. And this kind of weird, undefined spirituality that seems to be something that most of humanity is already in this world arcing away from and heading back towards, again, they're having their faith in technology. But it's strange that the children of technology themselves have this ritualistic-sounding jargon that they say and, and this, this strange religious religiosity to them. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's also interesting that with some of the human characters, you know, they still are this way as well. So there are, there is still, you know, and the gods of Kobal are, are talked about multiple times in this episode. So yeah, yeah no, it, that's, it's all very, it's so muddied and I'm so especially interested to see what it is that the Cylons actually believe in. Doro gets arrested, doesn't he? Yes, he does. And Boosh. this cute little red blazer. <laughs> but I'm a reporter guy. <laughs> but I'm an undefined Disney tour guide, I think. What's going on? I thought I was good at my job. But uh, <laughs> Ty tells him to shut his mouth, and Gaius presents a bunch of conclusive evidence, according to him. <laughs> Yikes. Mm-hmm. If Gaius that, this has is that so power, early. you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't tell if, you know, basically because of what he's been able to deduce from watching things and, and the information he's getting from Six if he just went ahead and fabricated his test and just pointed the finger at him, or if he was able to actually put together some kind of test to a little more concretely uh, decide this. But I kind of get the feeling that he was just like, I'm really pretty sure it's him, so I'm just going to throw together some numbers on a piece of paper and point my finger at him. Yeah, I got the (laughs) same exact impression. Now, (laughs) I know the answer, but I felt the same way you did. Yeah, ugh. Oh, Gaius. Well, he's not wrong. It's shitty, but he's not wrong. <laughs> That's what's so funny about it. So uh, Doral re- repeats his life history and, and all this shit. And then, of course, uh, I noticed that Mr. Doral was interested in advice on the back of the Dreda's console. So a great way to alert the crew and keep himself innocent. Uh-huh. Troy gets, Figured it out. Uh, Ty asks them to isolate the console. We move over and we see Gaeta, D, and Ty pulling the unit. Another great scene from Ty. When he says, you didn't spot it, it's been there for we don't know how much long, 
And then he's like, you're not alone. Any one of us should have seen it. He, especially the ship's XO. Ooh. I love it. I love how he takes responsibility. Yeah. He's like, no, I'm going to bust good. your balls, but then I'm going to bust my balls because we all yeah. fucked up. I, and, yeah, that's what it, I like it. It is very equalizing. He's like, we all should have caught this. I'm just as responsible as all of you. Even raising himself a little above that of saying it is, yeah, the XO should have especially. Yeah. So this shows you a little bit more about Ty, doesn't he? He's an honest guy. Yeah. He's not a deceptive guy. You're going to know where you stand with Ty. That is for sure. Even if he's got to flip over a card table and scream at you. Yeah. You've done it this time. Uh, so Starbuck goes uh, to do some recon work, and she finds the Cylon fleet. I love the way the fleet just winks into existence on her Dratus. Uh-huh. Awesome she looking. She looks up, and there is just an entire sky full of them. Amazing. Back so on the Colonial fun. One, we have Adama uh, reporting to the president. Uh, she makes this... This was fucking. It's funny watching it this time. I got annoyed with Roslyn. <laughs> Ooh, really, <laughs> dude? <laughs> but I understand what's going. I I understand what's going on here. But I kind of feel like don't let her fool you. She's she's doing something on purpose here at the same time. And here's what I'm going to say. My take on the scene was this: She makes Adama come in, have a seat. Billy's like, okay, this is the fucking commander of the fleet. I'm going to close my little notebook and get up and leave. And she's like, no, finish. And Adama Mm -hmm. sits there waiting like a child, right? (laughs) To be called on. And then he brings up the Astral Queen and prisoners. Billy is. I mean, he's like, we've got a prisoner ship. And what are we going to do? You know, should we put them in a space? And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. Make sure I want daily reports on those prisoners because I don't want no fuckery. Is essentially what she's saying. And then... um, Billy leaves, and she just outright says, are you planning a military coup? <laughs> I love it. I His love- response, what? Uh, yeah, like, what are you talking about? Their back and forth right here is so good. And she gets uh, huffy and blah, blah, blah. And then he says, Miss Rosalind, my objective is to repair the Galactica and be- get back to the fight. I love it. I love the back and forth here. Yeah. And she's like, well, you lost. And he's like, we're aware of the tactical situation. It's so good. <laughs> and this is it. And kind of like, you know, it's it's a little more stark with Colonel Ty and her. You know, he is very much so, like we were already saying, the kind of stolidly unmoving uh, type of military character of a man in a way. Uh, and, and Adama's a little different, but this is still a, a big contrast of here's this, you know, sudden, you know, unknown female president and then this very old school, you know, stoic male military leader. And she's the one saying, hey, yeah, I know you're a lifelong warrior and you're very confident in your abilities and all that. Throw that shit out the door. War's fucking over. That is not a priority anymore. Right. And he's the one saying, basically, we didn't even have the chance to fight and we just got ammunition. We're going to fight. We're going to put up whatever resistance we can. He's like, that's my mission. That's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, that's my mission. And when she says, if we are going to survive, we need to have babies, and he goes, excuse me, and just fucking leaves, <laughs> that is gangster as shit. <laughs> he just bounces on the prez. He's like, take it easy. What are you talking about? But we learn that she got to him. Yeah, he's she been thinking did. about it. And honestly, this next scene is the scene I was talking about earlier, the way they shoot this. We see them. We see uh, back on the combat, uh, back at the combat information center. We see Starbuck briefing on her findings. Adama, Ty, and Gaeta and Lee are chatting. 
Uh, I'm not going to play their game. I'm not going to go out there to fight them. So, so already Ty's a little confused as to why. Adama asks about jumping. We move the shot, the shots over to Billy and D, kind of chit chat and being cutesy cutesy eyes. Oh, yeah. We get a shot of Adama watching in the background on this. We zoom on him. We move back to D and Billy. He's no longer listening to the tactical yes. conversation of what can we do? How can we come out of this on top? What do we? How do we stage an attack from this? You know, you know, limited position we have now. And he's just he in that moment wipes the war aside. The warfare aspect of how are we going to mount our attack and just say, no, we need to stop even worrying about a fight and just survive. Boom. That's love it. it. They better it's start fantastic. having babies and ties like, is that an order? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's right. It is an order. Everybody pair off and unzip. <laughs> and oh, I would shit. be sprinting for D in that room. <laughs> Get out of the way, curls. Fuck you, sauce curls. Uh. Um, but yeah, that, uh, so the war is over. Great, we lost, he says. And to hear that come out of his mouth, we better start having babies. Right. <laughs> I just love it. It's so good. Uh, it's so Repeating good. Repeating what the president said, showing some respect, but not revealing that fact to his men. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I like true. that. I like how he's not like, well, the president says this, here's what we're going to do, because now he's being undermined. So he yeah. brings it up and just says, here's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Acknowledges that it's right. Very cool. So they talk about the Promar sector. Can you plot that jump? Again, is a little nervous, and he's just like, "Can you plot the jump?" And again, he's like, "Yes, sir." And they move <laughs> on. They uh, they end up bouncing. They leave Doral on the station, right? Oh, that's right. They're just here. You go. Pretty brutal. If you really don't know whether he's a silent or not, damn, it's a Hard harsh choice. punishment. That's but tough. they're going off of the t- testimony of Gaius Baltar, whom they currently trust, although he is shifty. You know? Yeah, that's that's one thing. It's really I I feel like it's really important to keep in mind. You know, for for me and anybody else watching this for the first time, you know, the way what we know about Gaius, it's like we get that glimpse into his personal life, that whole behind the behind the music, like the low down sure. filthy shit of him being like a skeezy rich guy uh, who's really coasting off of this success of, of you know his technology and what he's published. Um, but to the rest of the world, I mean, he is their generation's Einstein. Like, this yes. is the guy. Like, yes. they, everybody, he is not just, you know, a brilliant scientist. He is a famous, facially recognizable scientist. He's like a um, rock star scientist, like a Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know? Exactly. That's, yeah. He's kind of got this rock star thing going on. Like, I'm cool. I hit chicks. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> everybody knows him. They trust, they trust his, the thing is, they trust his knowledge implicitly. And so I feel like sometimes, and I, I'll admit, I've had moments where I kind of raise an eyebrow, but then I'm like, oh, well, that does make sense. You know, because the way people, he'll say something or, you know, people don't question him in certain ways where I'm like, guys, he's acting like real sweaty and shifty. You wouldn't want to like press him a little further. But I'm like, oh yeah, he's Einstein to them. Like, yeah. he really is. Like, they trust him implicitly, anything he says. Uh, and that's, you know, you can't coast on that forever, but he, his, he, his people's faith in him has not been shaken yet. Not like the viewers has, because we know what's going on behind the scenes. Right. So the people's interactions with him do make sense. It's awesome. We have a battle plan in place. The battle begins. Boom, 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 boom. boom. And the battle plan, we're going to poke the nose of the Battlestar Galactica outside of this cloud, outside of this protective storm that they've engineered that keeps the Cylons out. uh, As we let the civilian convoy come up behind us and start jumping 
And that's why, uh, while that's happening, the Vipers are out there keeping them at bay, trying to fight off as much of the Cylons as they can to cover them. And then as soon as all the civilians are gone, Vipers get back in. They say, what, what, what is it? It's a combat landing? You're Correct. all combat landing. And then we fucking jump the moment our doors are closed. Yes. So they're providing cover for the civilian fleet, and then they're getting out of there. Oh, man. This is such I a love this. Scene. The great combat. Enemy suppression unit. We're, we're going to do an enemy suppression barrage. Stand by. We got 72 Cylons. All batteries commence firing. They're very much like flak cannons. I like that. Yeah. I love the exterior shots that are far away. It's chaos. They establish a perimeter, and then they launch their fighters. Mm-hmm. Lee says to watch out for Galactica's firing solution. <laughs> Again, more realistic, cool dialogue. or a little razzle-dazzle. And then Ty orders the civilians to jump. Incoming oh, that- ordinance. The Galactica starts getting hit and rocked around. Starbucks yeah. saves Lee's ass. Big time. He's about oh to get blown God. up. <laughs> and I, I can't, I, part of what I love about this, there's several things in this, you know, this whole battle that I love a lot. It's just extremely visceral and feels very physical. We even get the detail later on when, you know, when Adama's like, patch me through to Starbucks and he starts asking her something. He's like, what do you hear out there? And we're awesome. seeing the pieces of the debris of other ships clicking across her, you know, so uh, windshield. Awesome. And she's like, I'm just here in the rain. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> like, how many other shows do we actually see space shrapnel and debris hitting and clicking around, bouncing off their hull? Like, that's such a that is such a tangible physical detail i can't get enough it's of it it's such um, badass spartan shit to me the way they can yeah. make this happen in space with in space. dog fights that's what i'm saying yes. it, this is as technologically removed as uh, you know this is like one step below drones and unmanned warfare it's totally technological it's very you know high minded but this is still like very, you know, it does like, I love that you use that word. It, it, it evokes an imagery of like iron clashing. I mean, yes. that's what it feels like. Yes. And I love that opening shot of, you know, we see how far away the actual Cylon mothership is uh, versus the Galactica. And when they start firing at each other, that again, we see that sense of scale and how small they actually are. And we just see those little dots of light passing between them, like tracer rounds off in the distance. And it just yep. looks amazing. I, I, can't get enough of the space battles in this show. It's so slick. And so uh, Galactica good. Actual is what they say when he gets on the comm. Uh, and then, of course, Ty makes the a few moments before this, he makes the observation that they're targeting their hangars. I like that. He's smart enough to pick up on that because he knows that they're going to try to do combat landings to get their Vipers back. And the Vipers are the lifeblood of the fleet. You, you yeah. need the Vipers and the Cylons know this. They're slick, so they showed some tactical awareness to Vi- the, uh, the Cylons. Oh, yeah. No, they've got their number. I mean, that's got to be, if they're getting surveillance equipment inside of their own ships, they've got your number. They know yeah. your strategies. So they that's slam sure. together. They they clank together. I like how she kind of jams their ships up together. Oh, man. And, and I uh, love the way. Love, he's like, we're coming in a little hot. He's like real nervous. <laughs> and I can't, I can't think of any other show that has spaceships that move the way these Vipers do. Because most of them, even like in Star Wars, like they have a some kind of propelling system on the back of them, some turbines, and they just move forward. And if they have to turn, the whole ship kind of turns arcingly to the right or left or whatever. These have those little tiny jets all over the Viper. Yeah, the that, maneuvering you know, thrusters. Yeah, yeah, that like tilt them backwards or tilt them up or diagonally or they spin around in space. And I love that they're using that 
the the space of space so well. Yes, it's, you can move in any direction, and they they turn upside down, they rotate, they move all over the place. Like, and that's why I think you know it's we see how much of a different and better pilot Starbuck is because of the way she's able to just turn that ship on a dime. Like, it's yeah, that's what I love so much about this that. She's able to not just get around behind somebody, but flip upside down and then go in a completely different direction. I mean, she just uses the the face of space so well. It's slick. Uh, the way they spin the them. way they spin the viper, they spin the viper on the axis. Yes. So like it never loses speed. It just turns and points the other direction, which is kind of cool, you know. And, and plus, they do some other crazy maneuvers, especially Starbuck at times. Oh yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, I am like. I, I knew coming in, uh, when we decided to cover this show, you know, I'd heard a lot about how great the story was and the characters, and it was so gritty and dark and dramatic. And I'm like, I'm looking forward to all of that. That's really the, that truly is the lifeblood of any show, the characters, the people. But I knew a big part of what's going to make me personally, Matthew Anderson, love this show is badass space dogfights. And I was like, yes, this show's got it. Is it in there? Do they do the action well, or is it just all high-minded, uh, grizzled people yelling at each other? Right. No. Space battles are dope. Check. Check off the list. Absolutely, yeah. And, and dogfighting it, it, dog is so much more personal than, than, these, than, than these fights where they're so, so far away from each other. Yeah. But you do get the sense of like when the cap ships engage, you get this sense of these old Navy boats just trading blows. I like that a lot too. But then you oh, got yeah. that, that real intimate personal feeling of the dog fighting as well. Yeah. And I can also just the visually, I love their faces being lit up blue inside their yeah, helmets cool. while the rest of their cockpit is very dark. Uh, yep. That's just, a, that's a really awesome visual choice. I think. Absolutely. That before I ever watched it, that was the visual thing that stuck in my head the most because I had never seen six. I, you know, it wasn't like the, I was all over the internet. What's BSG? You know, I yeah. watched it and uh, I remember, I really remember the blue faces in the cockpit sticking out to me before I ever watched it. It's a striking image. It I is. Really yeah. Like it. So they end up jumping Oof. and they get away. And I love it. I love the missiles come in and then they just poof, 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 and they just wink out of it. Oh yeah. God. So yeah. let's talk about the memorial. Yes. So this is it. This is it. This is when we find out our uh, big secret, evidently, about hmm. the show. So there's a priest saying, Pray that you lead us to a new home. So say we all. She's talking about the Lords of Kobol. She brings that word up. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, this is our, this is, we've heard Starbucks say it. We've heard a few other people here and there, but now we're kind of getting a better glimpse of this religion amongst the colonials anyways. Right. But this, I can't love the shot enough of her, you know, the priest, you know, woman quietly saying this. And so say we all, and you know, you hear like a fith of the crowd. Oh, so say we all. And Adama, Adama steps out looking back at everybody. The way he snaps his head around, yeah. like shocked at his people. So say we all. Yes. <laughs> over and over and until everybody's fucking saying it. It's so amazing. So say we all. Uh, Are they the lucky ones? He asks. Mm-hmm. And he really gets into it with him and he starts talking about scripture in the Lords of Kobo. And oh, the 13th tribe that found Earth. Holy shit. How did that, how was that of a bomb drop for you? Again, kicked my ass. I was like, I, what? No idea. No idea. (laughs) 
Absolutely. And part of me is curious if, if this was a part of the original series too. Was Earth a part of things or is that something original to this? I don't know. But really I never remember. saw that coming. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. And so that now I, I can really start to see the momentum of the series, of it being a we're, we are at war, air quotes, with the Cylons. Well, really, we're just trying to get the hell away from them and get to Earth. Yep. Uh, make contact with with them, which is going to be super disappointing when they get there and they're like, hey, yeah, Earth, we made it. How How's you guys interstellar space travel? And they're like, oh, well, we've been to the moon and we got Wi-Fi and, and Bluetooth um, and reality TV. Like, that's about we, – you guys are doing better than us, okay? <laughs> Sorry. Awesome. Shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's quite the reveal. It, it, it makes you start – it makes the wheels turn. Because they say Earth, so they reference Earth, but yeah. they're also referencing religion at the same time. That doesn't seem to match up with Earth's, or does it? Mm, don't know. Hmm. Don't know. Interesting. That's, that's, huh? that's another interesting question. And also, I like the you know. There's a moment uh, of you know where Rosalind is clashing with Adama over this, and I was surprised that she took such offense at it. She seemed to really be pissed off about uh, him framing things in this way. But again, you know, we had the Cylons having all this religious jargon that they're talking about, you know, six talking to Gaius and, um, you know, crazy guy. I'm not even going to attempt his fucking name again, <laughs> talking to Adama. Um, but Adama turns toward this religious, you know, rhetoric in order to inspire hope in the humans for once, you know, let's turn our eyes yes. towards this. You know, I, I didn't see that turn coming. That was another surprise for me. Yeah, that's right after the scene where where uh, where Ty and Starbuck have a little bit of a chit chat. Um, right after that is when she does say, "Hey, it starts by him saying, you were right, I was wrong. Let's keep it that way." Mm-hmm. And then Rosalind's like, "There is no Earth. This is bullshit." And he's like, "I know." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that also that it's funny that did deflate me. I was like. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> like, so are we not going to – is the final season not going to be them making contact with Earth? Adama does say an interesting line here, though, and it's something we've talked a lot about, especially since we cover The Walking Dead, and that's it's not enough to just live. You have yes. to have something to live for. Let it be Earth. Yeah. Yeah. And which, you know, as I don't know if it's controversial or not, but I do agree with him. I mean, yeah. shit. You're you're going to have a nihilism pollute your people pretty rapidly, I think, at this point. That could become pretty divisive of, like, why are we even fucking bothering? Like, what's right. the point? And it's a, and it's a very fascinating dynamic here. We, one of the earlier scenes when Rosalind tells Adama, she says, listen, there needs to be a civilian part of this government before, you know, that has to be a thing. And now when you start to really open your eyes to the possibilities there, you got the Galactica in some military vessels, and then you got largely civilian vessels just tagging yes. along. How does that work? Who yeah. runs those? How do they report in? Is that is that Rosalind's job? How does the military play into that? So, and that's it, why you know it seems it's, it seems at first a little overly pointed when she asks, "Are you going to uh, you know have a military coup?" But that's because she's also been pretty much lightly dismissed or ignored in certain ways from all the other military people. And she knows he's the head of the fleet. So she brings it up more bluntly to him of like, if you guys are just going to fucking ignore me and I'm the damn president, are you just going to have a military coup? Is this going to be a military dictatorship now? And and posing it to him that bluntly, I think had a point of, 
look, there has to be that civilian leadership, or, or you know, we're choosing now they're not the structure soldiers. of They're our just world. not going to respond to that type of structure. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's it's, that's it. A, a, Military structure, you know, the military responds to military structure, not civilians. Right. Yeah. And I like how Roslyn says to him in the scene, she says, you know, they're never going to forgive you. And he says, maybe that's true, but I've given them a fighting chance. And then he uses her own words against her and he says, isn't that the most important thing, survival? So he's he's saying, remember your logic? Mm -hmm. Well, this is your logic. Yeah. It might not be 100% honest, but... It's something to give the people a chance, something to give them hope. Because if they have none, like you said, this nihilism rips through the fleet. Yeah. If people think they're done and it's the end, they're just going to start wiling out. And it's going to be a nightmare to control. Oh, God. You'd have people abandoning ship. You'd have people killing themselves. You'd have people looking to (laughs) hop ship and see if uh, the the Cylons will have a nice human pet. You know? Anything. You'd have people giving up. Or they just jump away. And and what if it's a fuel ship? You know? What if it's a ship you, you need? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You've got, yep. There has to be some cohesion, some purpose. What I like about this, and this is something I've always thought about, when she says, they'll never forgive you, part of me thinks she's curious as to how he feels about that way, but another part of me feels like Rosalind is trying to ferret out if that matters to him, to see what yes. kind of man he is. Because I think it's funny to watch her start to piece him together, to try to figure out where she falls with him where this ethical compass is going to sort of land so she can work herself into that, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do, are, do you, does it matter? Do your people's feelings matter to you? Or is it that you, you, unity above all? That right. you just need people to ha- be all hands in? It's interesting. Yeah. So they shake hands. I like it. And then, of course, Gaius runs into six. Um, you know, and this is interesting because we see Gaius standing up to her a little bit. He's been so quivering with her, besides being sarcastic and biting, you know, besides being snarky with her. That's yeah. his, his, it's his defense mechanism. He's snarky with her, but she really controls the flow. And now he just stands up to her by saying, you know, you know where we are. It's a big universe. You can try to find us. She's like, you haven't addressed this problem yet. He's like, yeah, 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 I don't care. And then she drops the sleeper agent bomb. That is the biggest line of this entire miniseries. That is the line propelling us into the series itself. I am sure of it. Could Especially there be with any our- more amazing intrigue in this story at this point? I know. I mean, God, there's so much to watch for. There's so much within the character dynamics and so much within the plot, both, to keep us, you know, even if the characters were less interesting and, and wet and not as well performed. I'd still be pretty interested in the plot of just like, man, how, how are they going to find their way? How are they going to be, uh, you know, infected by the Cylons? That alone is the plot is very, very interesting. And it's, yeah. it would not work as well, but shit, that is a, another amazing twist yep. that not the idea of, Oh, there's maybe more sleeper agent Cylons. There might be people here who are Cylons and don't even know it. They believe they are human. <laughs> and that is scary and sad. So sad. Ooh, baby. I like how it is revealed. And then guys kind of blows past it by saying, well, whatever. We'll find them too. And then he just says, I'm not on anyone's side. I like that too. Mm-hmm. A lot happens in this very short clip that they leave and they let you, that they let you, they let it just pass by. They, they put you right into the into the this wrap up scene here. 
Yes. It's oh, cool. you know, I, I think we went by uh, Colonel Ty and Starbuck talking. Oh, well, I mentioned it, yeah, with a one hell of a piece of flying. and That's right. Yeah, that's right. We, we can talk a little bit in more detail, though, but that's when, you know, he says, I want to say I'm sorry. He struggles through apologizing to her. He wants a <laughs> clean slate with her. I and, really felt bad for him because I really thought, I think he was genuinely trying to He was great her here. And, and really putting himself on the line and, and trying to be forward, but she, she's mostly not, she is 90% just not having it. It's like, nah, fuck it's, you, it's you're an excellent. unreliable drunk. Right. I love Ty here because I like that he might not necessarily, his his emotions haven't changed overnight for Starbuck. He no. respects her one hell of a piece of flying. That's the easiest thing that rolls out of his tongue in this because oh, yeah. warrior to warrior, he respects the fact that she's an amazing pilot and he saw that happen. That's oh, yeah. the easiest part of this. The hard part is I want to wipe it clean. I want to say, I'm sorry. He barely gets I'm sorry out. Yeah, but and, and he might not still be fond of her, but he's doing something, you know, mature people sometimes do things they don't want to do exactly. because they want to make things better around them for that time period. And apologizing for the Colonel tie is like passing a kidney stone. Right. <laughs> it barely comes out. Right. Sometimes you, sometimes you make compromises. That's what, that's a, that's a grown up move in my opinion. Now, if you I compromise agree. all the time, then you're a fucking idiot and you're being walked all over. You have to put your foot down. <laughs> but I like yeah. how Ty's like, I need to do this for the betterment of our survival. If yes. I'm at odds with this woman, even though I'm not crazy about her, I'm going to just try to bury the fucking hatchet. I don't love doing this. I'm not crazy about doing it, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I like that. That's character. He steps up and he, and he puts himself and he does the hard thing here. Yes, and uh, absolutely. he kind of gets shit on for it and it's too bad. It's too bad. I know. She's a little too fucking harsh on him here. Yep. And there must be a pretty long history between the two of them as well. Yeah. You know, w- reaching way back before the, you know, the scene that we are introduced to them. So Ty gets back to his quarters, pulls out his booze. He wrestles with it. Boxy goes to see Boomer. Starbuck unfolds. We're getting a closeout with music over this montage. Right? That whole thing. Adam and uh, Lee chat. He's like, let's save it for another time. I want to do it, but let's hang on to it. D yeah. gives Billy the eyes, the chief and Callie working on a ship, and it's cool. He's like, it's nice to be small, nice to be small, making little jokes. Again, just character building. Ty wrestles with the bottle some more. Uh, back at Starbuck has her sports bra on. She plops down in bed, and I love her regular sexy body. Uh, just throwing <laughs> it out there. Yes. Oh, hell yeah. No, I am <laughs> big on Starbuck. Loving her. Adama gets the note that says what? Ooh, there are only 12 Cylon models. And then he locks his door. Oh, that's so good. It's so good. And <laughs> that is such a, it's just vague enough to, you're like, wait, what does that mean? Are you saying there's only 12 skin job Cylons in existence? No, there's only 12 models of them. There could be an infinite number of those Cylons, but they're going to only look 12 different ways. Yes. Which is such an important thing because we've already seen so far three types of them. We come to learn in the very last uh, bit that PR boy, yep, he was in fact a Cylon. Right. Six, obviously a Cylon. Crazy guy, yep, Cylon. So there's our three. But then, <laughs> oh shit. What a dick kick. Oh my God. Never. Never did I see this coming. <laughs> oh my God. God. And it's a, that's a tough one. That is one of our one. most humanized characters. 
It's a tough one. Oh, Jesus. So yeah, and, and I guess we, we should go into what the Cylons uh, say when they come in there. And they're, I guess, rescuing uh, this guy, but they're not really there for him. They, you know, they know he's going to die. He's going to transfer. It's fine. That doesn't really matter. What do they say? They are. I'm trying to remember if they were saying, for one, I, I think they don't yet. It's implied, at least, that they don't yet have a lock on where uh, the Battlestar Galactica was actually going. And one of them even says it could take decades to find them. It could take decades to track them. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big deal. Yeah. That's, that means so far, as of that moment, yeah, they've, they're, they're out ahead pretty damn well. And they might be in the clear, except for the revelation that Boomer is, in fact, a Cylon. <sighs> Man. With a, with a big old, I'm happy to be here grin. How did you feel about that? Oh, shit. It's heart-wrenching. Well, it, what it makes me think is that, that the, the literal individual boomer we're looking at in that frame is very aware she's a Cylon, obviously, and is very much participating in things. The boomer on board the Battlestar Galactica, I think, my prediction here, has absolutely no idea that she is a Cylon. She mm. is an unactivated Cylon maybe with injected memories, you know, has a whole childhood that she believes really happened, you know, truly thinks she is a person and is having genuine feelings, you know, really does have feelings for the chief, has feelings for Boxy, you know, is a person for all intents and purposes. But I guess they can just flip a fucking switch and have her be one of their agents, I guess. Yeah, uh, I like it. Damn. Awesome. So, yeah, so, uh, just to clarify, they're talking about, you know, it's in their nature to seek revenge if we don't track them down and get rid of them. They'll be back for us. That's the Cylon conversation at the end. <laughs> Which is so ironic, considering, boy, sure seems like having not seen each other for 40 years and then you guys initiating a fucking holocaust kind of sounds like revenge to me. And then uh, Sharon says, we will find them. And then Caprica 6 says, at the close of the episode by your command, which is an old, not to BSG, the old centurions would say, by your command. Like Ooh, when they would execute nice. orders and shit, it was cool. Nice. So, um, yeah, there it is, man. The episode has ended. There we are. And I am, if I have not been hooked before, which I was, that absolutely does it. That is fantastic. Good shit. Awesome. So, Two things we're going to close out on. I have a couple of prompting questions for you, and then I have an actual trivia question for you. So why don't we talk a little bit about these things? Number one, this episode presented a few different things here, Matt, and I want to pick your brain a little and present something for you to think about going into the future of this, and that's this. You heard some terms thrown around this week called you heard a couple, Kobo, Lords of Kobo, Earth. So there's an Earth connection in this thing called Kobo and the Lords of Kobo. We heard Starbuck do a prayer. We heard this priestess do a prayer. Mm-hmm. So it seems like, based on what we're seeing, that the colonials have some kind of polytheistic religion. Okay. Yeah. The Lords of Kobo hear our prayer. I buy it. I mean, I, I don't, I can't tell. I guess it's like a fairly state adopted religion, uh, state endorsed. Could be. I don't know. But who did the, who did the Cylons talk about? That's, oh, that's the question. 
The million dollar question. Damn. Something <sighs> to think about. You have silence talking about a single God or at least six. Yeah. And you at have the colonials appearing to be talking about multiple gods. Mm. Now the linchpin here is Gaius because Gaius doesn't seem to react either. Like, what are you talking about? So this must not be something completely ridiculous. I mean, he thinks it's irrational because he's an atheist, but my point is, is that right. It's not yeah. like it's out of the blue to him. It's not like he's like, what's wrong with you? What are you talking about? Like it's, so it's not unheard of. So yeah, it's an it's interesting, it's of, an interesting thought, but it's definitely, it is not a domineering state. I, I think it's not, you know, it's not like the Anglican church of old England where it's like, everyone sure. is this because we decree it. It still seems very much, you know, people are free to choose or believe or not, but uh, it definitely has implications for government. The way that Adama treats it at the end of like, Yes, so it says in the scrolls, there is an earth, and we shall pursue it because of religious scrolls. And the military is taking orders from that in a way? Like, I don't know. That's the weird part of it Mm. that I can't quite decipher. Right. I mean, and people ripped in applause when they felt like they had a chance, when they felt like, oh, God, we're going to do something here. We're going to succeed. Yeah. We have a mission, at least. Yes. Outside of surviving, which is just not enough. Mm -hmm. Great. So let me ask you this. What was your favorite part of this episode? Ooh, damn. That's a hard question. How about this? Let me narrow it down for you. Sure. What stood out to you in this episode? Did you like the Gaius and Six dynamic? Did you like Michael Hogan's performance as Ty? Did you like the Sharon reveal or Leoben? Pick one of those to be your favorite thing, even if something else is your favorite thing. Mm. Out of those, huh, I would have to say I really like the the lay open. Um, that slow reveal of, for what you know, that slow reveal of him being a Cylon and yes. the understanding. It, it there was not a shock or surprise from Adama in this. That's what I liked a lot about it. There wasn't a cheesy, hokey, played up for surprise bullshit about it. There. He has a long understanding of the Cylons and and how they act uh, and their you know duplicitous ways, and the fact that the that they have this animosity towards each other that for them they can they can both expound upon long reasons. Oh, maybe we're the redemptive children that you weren't, and oh well, we didn't give you souls. There's nothing you're actually fighting for. They have all this stuff they can talk about, but they don't really even need to talk about it. It is such a deep seated hatred at this point. It's fascinating. It's yeah, so Especially the part where he just says, maybe God fucked up, basically. Yeah. yeah. That's intense. Oof. Intense. Yeah. Really because, intense. Oh, yeah. It's not just six. Let's lay open who mentions God singular yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of it from them. A lot of stuff to think about. A lot coming. We're only two episodes in. There's 70 something of the show. So we're going to have a lot of fun <laughs> with this, man. This is a, this is a ride. And you know oh, what? Yeah. It has it has its down moments. It's not all it's it's not all uh, you know unicorn shitting rainbows. Oh, yeah. There are and there I, are some there are some flubs along the way, and we'll, and we'll and we'll get into those. And I I'm not, I'm going to say I am very much looking forward to getting to regular 40, 45 minute episodes sure. and Next not one. these these dense hour and a half beasts, which I've definitely enjoyed watching. But uh, to talk about is it, wow, it's dense. It's long, but that's all right. People want more content; they'll like that. They're always asking us for more, Matthew. <laughs> not that it makes life e- even more. I was just going to say, not that it makes this easy on us, but hey, we love them too much to, to cheapen it. <laughs> mm. 
Now, in tradition of the recommissioned podcast, Mr. Yes. Anderson, oh, yes. I'm going to present to you three possibilities. I want you to think about these possibilities, and if I am quick enough on the draw, maybe I'll give you a bonus, but I don't have one at this minute, but maybe Ooh. I'll come up with one. I want you to think about the, three, the following three scenarios that in this, for the next episode... Yeah, which are real and actually occur. Yep. You don't know the name of the episode, right? You, you, you totally stay away until it's totally time. Totally stay I don't know anything. Perfect. And try to do that as much as possible. Don't even read synopses. Nope. Nothing. Okay. Here's some things that... Here, one of these three things is going to go down in the next episode. So this is a little teaser. If you're not into this teaser and you're watching with us, just skip ahead a minute or so. Or just cut the episode out now. <laughs> I guess you don't need to finish. <laughs> Bye, early abandoners. If that's you, goodbye. If that's not you, if you're brave and you want to stick with us, so say we all, then you so stick with us. So say we all. All right. Yeah. One, Gaius accuses another crew member of being a Cylon and gets that crew member tossed in the brig. Oh. Two, Roslyn makes a mistake that causes the loss of a civilian carrier all hands. Three, a Cylon skin job murders another Cylon in defense of a crew member. Those are your three scenarios. Mm, damn. Well, for one, I do your, – your first one about Gaius, I do like the idea of the complication of him – kind of running away with the power of his knowledge <laughs> and accusing people. <laughs> I could see that happening with him. That's uh, and then him starting to even question himself uh, in the influence of Six. Hmm. The second one seems the least likely to me because we've already been seeing Rosalind wrestling with these issues of abandoning civilians and, and her being in turmoil over that. So you know what? I'm going to go ahead. I'm all in. I'm all in for number three. I think we are going to see a Cylon actually murder another Cylon. And I'll even go so far as to say I think it's going to be Boomer. Boomer is going to murder another Cylon because she still is, you know, poor baby, laboring under the delusion that she's a human being. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's totally plausible, plausible that uh, she wouldn't hesitate to kill another Cylon uh, in protection of somebody else, especially someone like the chief. Powerful. There All right, are. my friend. It has been documented and set down. Set down. Awesome. Uh, we will reveal the answer next week, won't we? Yes. And if you've seen this, you already know the answer. <laughs> I know. And you're already like, oh, fucking idiot. And if you don't know the answer, well, that's exciting too. You can guess as well. <laughs> so you call Boomer murdering a Cylon in defense of a crew member. Indeed. Sweet. All right. Well, that is the conclusion of another episode of the Recommission Battlestar Galactica podcast. Matthew, I'm looking forward to talking to you next week, and uh, I think we're going to get out of here. Absolutely. Hopefully you guys are watching along with us. I hope I have some other rooks along for the ride, just as blind as me. Stay with us. Don't jump ahead. Keep Don't up jump with ahead. the next one. Do not spool up the FTL drives. Sit tight. <laughs> Stay with Limp us. Limp along at sublight, and we will get you there. <laughs> Absolutely. Have a good night, guys. Bye, guys. So say we all. Bye.